Hello, welcome to Shadcast. This is episode 42. Or as uh, Douglas Adams says in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, this is the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything with Johnny Livesey, my first uh, return guest on Shadcast. I hope you enjoy. We uh, shoot this shit for about three hours about uh, everything we can think of from uh, occupying Mars to the Austin food scene to sci-fi and futurism. We talk about fish a lot. And I don't know, Johnny's just uh, a really dear friend of mine and uh, we could talk forever about anything. And this is just a little glimpse into that. Uh, I hope you enjoy. It is Sunday, September 16th, 2018. Let's go. card that someone gave me in the uh, lot at the fish concert this last fish concert yeah yeah i don't know what the mythology is with these uno cards but i've been given them before and uh you know you and i have both been in the fish scene for quite some time and uh you know i think i should know what they mean by now but i still have no clue sometimes it's a reverse card which I don't know if I should just give that back to them or if it's a skip card. You get a skip. I just skip away. And then uh, that was a number five card with a uh, the uh, Koa Languedoc number two guitar, I believe. Uh, And I don't know what to do with that. I I think it... The last one I got was a Squirming Coil card, so it had a song title. <laughs> so I really can't figure out if they're supposed to be like... Um, it, it's just some sort of little fish thing that people do. You know, the, People talk a lot about fish as having like a, a subculture and their whole... All these inside jokes and... And and they do they have this, they created the secret language in 1992, um, which was musical cues that would make the crowd do something. Homer Simpson um, does and yeah, like the Homer Simpson. All fall down, all fall down. Yeah, all yeah, the, yeah, all the good stuff. Yeah, they had chess. the uh, audience chess, audience chess. Yeah, they had the beach ball jams, the big ball jam. Yeah, yeah, where Fishman would play this crazy fast bluegrass beat and they would just put big balls on the audience. And I think every time a ball, there'd be three balls. For each of the the front guys, Paige, Trey, and Mike, and then every time a ball would bounce, I think they would play a note, and it might be random, it might not, um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of these. Um, I think I'm too loud. There's a lot of these uh, kind of internal things, and one of them is these goddamn Uno cards, and they're so confusing to me. But I, uh, you know, it's it's just something you come home with from a fish show. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen that, and. Um... Not fortunate enough, I guess, to have been given an Uno card. Yeah, maybe it's some sort of sign of like tribal respect that I don't understand. You know, like maybe I'm seen as an elder since I've been seeing them. Since a gray, a gray back, a silverback, yeah. silverback, and a silverback. Oh, looks like you're 
Exactly. Gray beard. Yeah, I do have a gray beard now, so I have this certain wizard quality to me that maybe uh, is worthy of an Uno card. That's funny. Back in back in my day, they just gave you goo balls in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, and you tried not to fall asleep during the concert. Yeah, it's still, the, still a challenge. Battle. Still a challenge. <laughs> That's hilarious. So uh, we, we, we were both at that last Fish show. What did you think of it? Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a, a pretty well-played show. Um, the intensity was, was good. Lots of lots of that, you know, kind of peak happy jam stuff going on. Like major key, major blissed key, out. blissed out, soaring tray, peak, peak, peak stuff. But you know, I still think there's some new songs that are just not great. Like we, but I like the jam and the everything's right, but that song should probably not be played. Same with that more. Not a not a fan right. of either one of those songs. Yeah. Can we, can, I wonder if they can still get to these euphoric peaks without that garbage music beforehand. Because, yeah. you know, I'm happy about that. Everything's right jam. And according to the Internet, it's one of the most revered jams of the year. Um, but <laughs> it, it was good. It's hot. Yeah. I mean, I I can't really remember it. And I have trouble discerning one of the what they call 3.0 fish jams from another one, because I feel like they kind of operate on the same basic principle. Um you know, Trey will chunk along on some chords, and Paige and Mike will be all doom, 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 and they just kind of do that for a while. And Trey's like, and then before you know it, like he's like, yeah, soaring. It's just so formulaic by this point. I hate to say that it's like boring. Like I used to not know what the hell is gonna go on, and I used to have this like. Uh, I saw some meme with a clown on it, and it was like, what Fish used to be was like Pennywise the Clown, and now what Fish is is like Ronald uh, McDonald. Like, now he's an actual legit, it's a kid's show, you know, like, they're all, it's like dad rock almost, you know, like, hey, everybody in the pool, what a breezy, happy jam we have cooking here. What's funny is, and... and Something that uh, Mitchell you pointed out, like back in like 2003, is that there is a like a riff sequence progression that that they just fall into, and they were doing that before they broke up at Coventry, and it's the same riff they're doing like now, which is like some permeation of a blah, da, 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 something like that. Where yeah. It's like every jam ends up being on some permutation of that, right? Soaring, soaring, or dark, dark. Um, yeah. I mean, it's still enjoyable, but and I don't feel like it was like going through the motions, kind of boring. But it is just like, yeah, that's the new sound. Isn't so much about like the. I mean, it still gets plenty dark, but it's more like I don't know. Feel too positive, too happy, sober time. Yeah, and I think since they've been webcasting so much, and I've been catching a lot of them. Yeah, I'm, I'm noticing all these things where it used to be. You know, I'd see them every third quarter, and and I'd forget what all those little things were because I don't really listen to them at home. I've always thought Fish was a good experience because of the village and the lights and the culture that we were talking about. Um, but you know, I and now I feel like I'm oversaturated, and I kind of get the, I've decoded their formula. Yeah, and and the problem is they haven't really written any good songs since they've returned for the 3.0 era. Um, they've written some decent songs like "Waiting All Night" is pretty good, and 
and uh, like you know, there's some cool melodies in in some of those Joy and uh, Big Boat album songs, but for the most part, it's like uh, the lyrics make too much sense. It's too literal, too much repetition, even much for even for them. Yeah, like the Soul I mean, Planet and everything's right. It's so much repetition, and like you know, that repetition's kind of always been uh, a, a cornerstone of Fish lyric. Uh, structure though, I mean, think of think of almost yeah, like any assonance, alliteration. Yeah, think of any any song when it starts to play out. It's going to be either run, 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 run. I mean, like you're going to laugh and fall apart. Yeah, laughing, laughing, moment. Apart. The moment ends. The moment dance. Yeah. I mean, you can just repeat these things yeah. ad nauseum, and that is like their formula for for a lyrical structure. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're probably going to get hate mail for all of this, but the reality is... Yeah, no one's listening to the podcast <laughs> until you piss them off. Yeah. Everyone's listening. Uh, I mean, I, I love Fish, and I do think that the webcasting has definitely uh, made it to where some of the mystique is gone. Even, like, you know, trading or even having to wait for a Napster to download, you know, all of that is gone, and it's like there are blogs you can go to the next day and get a soundboard-like quality show yeah. every show yeah if you want to do that um and you know that's like the instant gratification is there when it used to be like i'm gonna have to go on tour to see this and then or wait for someone to mail me some tapes or cds or get them from my friend who knows how to use LimeWire or whatever the hell oh yeah kazaa <laughs> kazaa um remember kazaa yeah i thought it was the greatest thing ever like i almost dropped out of society when that came you know when i finally figured that out i was like okay goodbye world i'm going off in a music galaxy and i get all those songs i've always wanted but i couldn't afford all these cds because I'm, I'm broke so maybe that is like a very direct and uh um easy to point to way that the information age has benefited or maybe just distracted people from uh from reality because I mean you can listen to any music you want almost immediately yeah now uh movies books you know whatever anything you want yeah and you know Napster back in the day <clears throat> when you used to have to wait for somebody to like send you a tape or a CD for something uh a string cheese concert you had to wait for somebody to mail you three CDs uh and two being able to download that yourself even if it took two days or three days or however long it took back then I mean, Fish Show took like four days to download in the country where I was. Where I was, the worst was like having to get the self self addressed stamped envelope and the blanks, uh-huh. and mail them off. to some some taper, and then the taper puts them puts <laughs> the media on the tape, sends them back to you. I mean, that process took weeks, weeks, and now it's instantaneous. Like, I mean, it's almost like. If music is is happening and we can't we don't have access to it on the internet, it's it's like a glitch. It's like wait, what what do you mean I can't find it for free immediately? You know, it's like it seems like pretty soon all this music is gonna be uh like any time a band gets together with any kind of pull, it's gonna be immediately online, every note they play. Yeah. And with like SoundCloud or things like that where they already are putting a lot of their music on uh, the internet themselves to, to kind of do their own self-promotion. Uh, you know, that just made, I mean, you know, there's so many like hip hop blogs with all these new mixtapes all the time and little, you know, indie bands that have the same kind of thing on SoundCloud. 
that it's is an oversaturation, you know. I mean, I feel like the like regional music scene is like not as important, you know, in a lot of ways uh, as it used to be in guiding people's like music dialect. You know, everybody, it's like such a world music scene that you'll see that reflected in like live bands in your town now instead of it being like we are a bunch of rock bands in this town you know or blues bands or whatever austin boogie wee blues bands um used to be you know now there's a lot broader uh scope i feel like in the last 20 years 30 years maybe 20 years probably um five years than there has been in my entire life here you know i mean it definitely was like that wailing boogie woogie guitar like all through my childhood here you know that stevie mm-hmm. ray vaughn kind of thing mm-hmm. <clears throat> and now you're hearing like everything because it's so easy to access everything to get yeah, inspiration right. and like that's diaspora of cultural music and i'm sure that affects food too and the same same idea uh just the oversaturation of information and the kind of exposure that you wouldn't get if you were just going about your business in a small town or medium-sized town or whatever yeah um it's crazy that some towns still don't have high-speed internet that's in bizarre i'm on that fiber me too it's pretty good yeah it's pretty fast it seems to have glitchy nights but for the most part it's been great yeah no no issues on our end uh so other than the everything's right jam from the fish show what what was the date on that it was that's uh, 31st of july. july 31st 2018 yeah. at uh, austin 360 Sample in a jar opener. I was really excited. That's some classic fish shit, you know? Yeah. Like nothing. Those opening chords make me feel like I'm at a fish show. And there was just a lot of, uh, of first set tunes that I wanted to hear. And and I thought they were like a good first set. They're short and punchy. And they did what they were supposed to do. And they got the hell out of there at the end, you know? And uh, it was... I was with a random group of people and... and uh, that I, I probably wouldn't usually go to a show with, so that was kind of cool, you know. Like, I feel like I, I usually have the same kind of crew that I go to see fish with, and it was fun to to have one offs of that, you know, friends of the friends, and uh, just see how they experience fish shows and what parts of fish shows they like. Um, so I don't know. I yeah, as much as I hate the new tunes, and I'm sad it's not 100% great anymore, and it's demystified through just the availability of everything. Um, and you know, I'm sure I'm older and every fish show is a little less exciting to me just because, uh, again, the, the kind of scarcity or how rare and precious it is. Um, but I gotta say I had a good time. I, I, I found that if you drop your expectations, um, and you just go in fresh, like a baby, uh, you have the best time. And yeah. That's usually a good way to be, uh, uh, in general, I would say. Yeah. Well, who was it? I think it was Elon Musk on that Rogan podcast was saying that happiness is reality minus expectations and just kind of not bringing your own baggage to the moment and letting the moment be what it is and enjoying that and, and learning from it and, and being humble about it and, and not trying to be a control freak and have everything fit into your story and, had be uh, you know grammable and deep and and uh, grammable top of the <laughs> yeah, the Maslow's pyramid of you know everything is leading towards self actualization and everything is beautiful and perfect and part of the the sacred architecture of my existence 
<laughs> I think that's what he was trying to say. But uh, either way, the uh, that fucking podcast was awesome. And, and he's got all this blowback on Twitter about it, which, which I think is ridiculous. I what this guy worth twenty billion dollars that sends rockets to into space and lands them on you know coasters floating in the ocean and then builds tunnels under LA to move traffic and builds flamethrowers and builds you know Tesla cars that drive themselves and trucks that are going to replace and disrupt an entire industry and put millions of people out of work. Oh yeah, I think he's allowed to take a puff. And not inhale, mind you, of some pot from Joe Rogan on his show where it's legal in California without, like, some major blowback from Twitter. Well, it's, you know, also some legal blowback. I mean, he is a, because he shoots rockets into space, has a very advanced uh, clearance with the uh, Air Force, and they're not supposed to smoke pot. So, eh. But, 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 but is it hailing? I mean, isn't that the main part there? I don't know. I mean, you can be the president if you didn't inhale. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Bill Clinton didn't inhale. And and look at him. He's getting BJs in the Oval Office. (laughs) You know, they're pointing to this this dip in the Tesla stock after that podcast. Um, God, I feel like I'm too quiet on this. Um, You're matching my mumble talk. But uh, I think that it was coincidental. The dip in their stock value coincided with top executives leaving the company, uh, is what I heard. Like two of the founding fathers of Tesla uh, stepped stepped down, and I don't think it's related to the podcast. Um, and that's why the Tesla, and you know, and maybe I'm sure there's a few reactionary points lost to uh, seeing the CEO of a company uh, smoking a blunt. But you know, I don't know. I just feel like he's an adult. He's a billionaire. He's in a state where it's legal. He didn't even inhale. That's part of the show. He's he's just trying to be cool and, and kind of um, win in Rome. He's drinking whiskey. And people are judging the shit out of him. Well, I mean, you're under a lot of scrutiny at that level. I mean, it makes sense. But it also is just kind of dumb. I mean, I don't know. I think it... It's not reckless on his on his behalf, I don't think. Um, nor should like Tesla stock be affected by whether or not this guy smokes pot or not. But it is. Um, it's back. It rebounded. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And all press is good press. I mean, I think Trump has been has been like the king of accepting all mentions of him as a potentially good thing. You know, it's a way for him to. Uh, talk about himself more which is obviously his favorite thing to do and to bash people uh which is his second favorite thing to do all, all press is good press all press is good press he just likes people talking about him and yeah I mean, musk is probably the same, same thing He's a cult yeah. of personality like, fuck it you have a lot of inf- what is that thing you have a lot of influence uh what is up with the the flamethrower well, uh, um, yeah, yeah. What's what, how, what, what, what do you know about this flamethrower? Well, I mean, I that whole company. What's it's it called? called? Not a flamethrower. Yeah, no, uh, the company it's like, is just like a stupid. What tort. is it? Stu- boring, boring, boring company. Is that the what it boring is? company? Boring company. Yeah, yeah. Because they're gonna bore holes through the earth uh, under LA traffic. Is the uh, oh my god? Is, <laughs> is it Mothma? Mothra? Mothra. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Yeah, Mothra is almost flew in my mouth, y'all. Fuck um, off. Yeah, that's a giant buck. But uh, anyway, um, yeah, the boring company. Yeah, I don't know. It's quasi irresponsible to make a flamethrower when your state is in flames. 
you know. And, Are they only available in California? Uh, no, but I mean, when you're, you know, I can just imagine. See, we should get one for the next time we chatcast, and we'll test it out. Yeah. yeah how much cool. they cost? Well, they, they they're $5,000. That's not affordable no. for a flamethrower. Maybe they're $500, which is affordable. I think it was $500. 5000 yeah, a little yeah, 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 you're aggressive. Right. You're right. It was 500 bucks, I believe. Um, so anyway, yeah, no, it's just, I mean, you know, I, obviously Americans have a problem with guns and uh that and they're irresponsible and they take these tools that can be useful and they make them devastatingly uh awful and so i think it was slightly irresponsible to make a flamethrower um but as far as california being the wild west and him being an inventive you know uh kind of madman uh What's that, what's that guy? Yeah, it's Tony Stark or, uh, yeah. you know, this kind of Bruce Wayne type character. You know, he lives <laughs> in a, uh, on an island in, in, off the coast of Seattle or something in this castle. Uh, you know, it just is shrouded in mystery and he does whatever the fuck he Pop wants. Pop stars and yeah, yeah, he's friends actress, with the, yeah, actress he, D4Zs. Yeah, rubs elbows with all the, whoever's trending at the time. He's, he's there with them as some sort of social light. Um, I don't know. It just seems like a flamethrower is uh, is dangerous. What is the stated point of making the flamethrower, though? Just so you can have access to a flamethrower? I thought. Well, I think he figured out a way to make like a some sort of kind of basic bitch torch into like a like actually spout flames a little further. And I think he just wants to put some numbers on the board. You know, like the hats were the first thing. The boring hats. The boring company hats. Yeah. So he just like let's make. 50,000 hats and see if we can sell them for 10 bucks a piece and that'll give us some money to make some flamethrowers and that'll give us some money to build some tunnels because it's got to be expensive as hell to dig tunnels under the LA yeah. highway system. I can't even imagine. Are they putting a hyperloop in there? What's the point? Oh yeah, he's working on a hyperloop too. Like, like is that enough with SpaceX and Board Company and, and Tesla? Like, I mean, it's the future, man. I want, I want the hyperloop. I want that Texas hyperloop. Dude. I would get in the hyperloop. Absolutely. Well, there's going to be no um, avoiding it. I mean, you know how society is. It's like, oh, great. We have access to emails all the time now. So you're now expected to check emails all the time. So all yep. communications, you know, the expectations just keep meeting the speed of, right? Like, I feel like getting back to someone when you had a voice, like a voice, uh, what do you call them? Um, an answering machine, you know, with your landline. People will be like, all right, this is Bill down at the station. Why don't you give me a call when you get this? And you're like, I may call this person back in a couple days. Yeah. But like, <clears throat> if someone would just mail something and then you'd hear about, hey, I mailed you a thing a month later. Did you get it? Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, just the expectation of. Yeah. Back to the immediate gratification. Immediate gratification. So, it's, yeah, it's kind of like that Louis C.K. joke when that guy's on the plane and they're like, Wi Fi for the first time ever is available on this plane. And he opens it up and. His, his his laptop and it doesn't get online. He's like, this is bullshit. And like, gets all angry because immediately when we know something's available to us, that's when we demand that it's perfect. Yes, and available all the time. And everyone has it. Everyone must have this because now I'm moving at this speed. Oh, and so yeah. everyone's gonna move at this speed. So I think that's just kind of the nature of uh, progress and and, and our technology. inability to manage our expectations. 
Again, yeah, um, expectations. I mean, again, that's that is that is the whole thing. Streaming, streaming, although very convenient, may not have the selection that you want. So, although it is instant gratification, you are stuck with some crap. Yeah. So. Well, I yeah, eh. that, that used to be the point. I yeah, case I I think. I mean, I use Spotify, and it says that I've been I've listened to one thousand unique artists a month. They know movies, but yes, it's you know, like you go to Netflix, and right. there's not the quality content. Like, there's a lot of quality content, and like I said, there's, yeah, not, there's not a lot not, of quality content, the but there's not pockets. the stuff that you want. Yeah, the stuff we grew up on is not there. Yeah, where are where the Gremlins? Seinfeld? You know, yeah. where are some Back stupid the things like where you know, is Roger Rabbit? Something you might want to watch. Yeah, exactly. On like a Sunday afternoon, good or something. old movies. Or even like the old Disney stuff. And then you, you have know, to torrent like Roger Rabbit, and then you get a virus because you torrented Roger Rabbit. Yeah, and then you get contacted by the uh, FCC, <laughs> and then you got the agents at your door. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Kicking the door down. Well, I mean, the Bozars who I've had on this this podcast have been contacted by, like Time Warner, like one more of these Pirate Bay transactions, and we're cutting you off. So it's real. I mean, you can't. You have to be at the Bozars level of. Uh, consumption of, of medium, but uh, yeah, which is the, the top of the. There's some. There are places like, that instantly you instantly get an email from anything if you try to download anything from like CNN or Disney or uh, you know who else HBO. You'll get a you'll get an email from your service provider mm. instantaneously. Wow, yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. When I upload uh, on my YouTube channel, I put a bunch of uh, Dead Eye music and, or back in the day, Heartburn or Alive One music, whatever I was recording, and uh, and that would all get flagged for copyright infringement immediately. Even though it was a cover and it was live and it was me, like, I'm not taking other people's music. Yeah, I'm reinterpreting it in a way, like the same way a symphony is. Like, oh, the, you know, did Box sign off on this? No, no, but we're doing it perfectly and it's great i mean that's how i approach the tribute band thing like it's a uh, like it's an orchestra and we're just playing this music that's legendary <laughs> how how did you guys lose that 2005 new year's uh recording from my my living room for well, Mikado. well i mean first of all i don't think we were all sober <laughs> uh second of all we were using a mini disc oh. which i don't even know how to play mini discs anymore uh because mini disc players have pretty much stopped working i mean you probably have to find some tech guy and on the east side who's like oh, i got a man somewhere and goes down and digs through all these devices and uh, finds a mini disc player that still has the cord and you know digitizes it but I mean, it was just, uh, it was a tumultuous night, and, you know, it's funny with, uh, I've always taken recording music very seriously and tried to record everything that happens, because you never know when this whole human comedy is going to come to a screeching halt. You have some record of your tunes. Yeah, yeah, and it's every now and then I'll be like, God, that was a great track, yet we played at Threadgills in 13, and for example, uh, one time Dead Eye played Help, Help on the Way into Slipknot, into Victim of the Crime, into Slipknot, into... Uh, feel like a stranger and i was like what a cool sequence like that was that's why this band exists um and so you know I'll, that's something i'll actually go back and listen to from years ago which i usually just use recordings of myself to learn from my mistakes and see what's working and what's not and move on because there's always more being where are we? we're playing a lot so there's not a lot of time to look back and uh and to kind of reminisce or or um 
just enjoy what, what I've been doing. I assume when I'm old and the band's broken up, I'll I'll have time to sit back and patch my bones and and listen to some old uh, some old tracks. But you know, for the most part, you just want to record everything. But you know, what, speaking of that Mikado show at your backyard, another one in the house. In the house, yeah, right? they're in the house. Well, we played in your backyard too. Yes, on your property. Um, another great concert. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I just hate listening to myself from those. So I'm not even. How come? Why? Well, because I've come so far. Sure. I mean, it's like the ten thousand hours thing. Victor Wooten once explained in a clinic that I'll teach you talent, and people are not. You know, you hear people are born with talent. People are born. Here's where they get the leg up. They're already smart, right? They start young, so they their brains are just working better than people who start late. Um. Mm-hmm. Want some more of this champagne? Dog is snoring. Yeah, I know. They're like kind of one of my favorite parts of my podcast. All the weird <laughs> noises that come out of my bulldogs, but uh, um, champagne and bulldogs. Wow, that really threw me off target. Where, where Victor Wooten. Oh yeah, he was like, yeah. I, there is no such thing as just talent. Like I can teach you talent, and and it's all about the ten thousand hours. So just the more time you put in. Uh, the better you're going to get. And the younger you start, the better you'll be uh, because your brain just works that way. Um, so I've always come to it from that perspective that, yeah, some people might be gifted, um, but it's a tiny, tiny fraction of the people who just tooled away at it until they were badass. Sure. But there was something special with that band, I thought. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not, and I don't mean the ensemble. I just mean yeah. it's hard for me as being a part of that to separate my shitty playing from mm-hmm. the group because there's things that Is it shitty that. playing or is it the playing of, of the moment? Well, I mean, that, it's, that's it's, the, under, it's underdeveloped. It, it's not where it is now. Therefore, it's... I mean, it's like you're cooking. I'm sure, sure. You, if you ate your food from 10, 10 years, years ago yeah. I, yeah, I versus know. your food now, it, you'd be like... Pfft, yeah, I understand that. Hour? <laughs> yeah, what the what the fuck is this? Man, it just seems so uh, brazen and and arrogant and like I was yeah. trying to do things I couldn't do. But and I, was, I don't know. I was, there was some there was some good shit going on with that band. I mean, Joe, you had Joe, who you had on the podcast uh, recently on the Shadcast. Yeah, um, that you know when he when he joined, that took it to like the next level too. I mean, it was already pretty exciting before that, and there were some definite songs that were. Pretty, pretty out there for the time, like Salvia and uh, uh, Cul-de-Sac, I really enjoyed. Yeah. And some of those weird... Diablo Sweet. Yeah, those Bob weird... Uh, Blood River. Those really weird um, Colin songs. That, yeah, yeah. That uh, style pre-interdimensional Clash Colin. Um, yeah. Um, no, and, and the I, I talked about Mikado a little bit with Trip. Um, the, yeah, the cool shit I look back on that was, uh, first of all, it, it got me into the Austin music scene, which I'm very happy about. It gave me a work ethic, which it's hard to find with a band where we played four or five nights a week. Um, so again, working towards that 10,000 hours, um, we would try to write our own harmonies, three part harmonies because we were all deadheads and we knew harmonies were a very touching part of music. Um, and we played dub music, which I think there's yeah. not enough dub out there. And had, I mean, it's white guy dub. It was still uh, or yeah. jam band dub. You know, Greenwood bass we, though. We weren't all white. Uh, yeah, for the, the the main chunk of it, and it needed piano to be good dub. I mean, we just we weren't great at anything, but we were great at just tooling away and and getting gigs and 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 rehearsing a lot and and writing shit. So from a discipline standpoint, from a 
you know, music is like going to the gym kind of thing uh, or any kind of art. I think it's just like going to the gym. You just have to keep doing it and mm-hmm. to see, you'll see slow results and you got to keep hammering. Um, so there was, and certainly listening to Willard, uh, Joe Willard play um, like through effects pedals where it sounds like there's five or six of him and they're all harmonizing with each other. So it was kind of like, uh, that pedal and him were like the hard proof horns, like, you know, yeah. like the, the, the foundation of the hard proof horns. Like once he found Derek and Jason, uh, that, you know, he didn't need pedals. Like he could have this real, uh, harmony and, and horn section. And, um, so there was the dub thing, the psychedelic thing with all the pedals. I really enjoyed how just intentionally weird and psychedelic it was. Spinal tap covers. Spinal tap covers. Uh, I don't hear anybody doing that. Uh, one of my favorite memories uh, beyond my my own house parties uh, it would have been Matt Kay standing on top of his amp at the Vibe, um, playing Pitch School, and <laughs> Pitch school. and how fucking great that was. Um, it, you know, yeah, Matt Case will send you back well, to you know what, school. Mitch Mikado. I gotta, I gotta bring this up. I, I always feel like there's a there's a scandal with Mikado, mm. and I, I'm pretty sure that the Mikado killed the Shoal Creek Mud Stompers. Yeah, uh, that, that yeah, band, same way Dead Dead Eye killed the Trim. Yeah, and, and it's sad. There's a self immolation thing going on here with these bands. At least that, at least Mikado was uh, more original than yeah. Shoal Creek. Shoal Creek was kind of just a cover band. Yeah, they, they did a couple, couple things, but they did a couple of their things. You know, Phil's. Have you listened to any of his Eight Dollar Mountain stuff? Yeah, 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 it's great. They, they are no, they and and that's why Shoal Creek's Mud Stompers were cool because it was a a building block to Eight Dollar Mountain. It's like a little tree. Yeah, exactly. To a lot of stuff. Yeah, really. Uh, totally. Uh, so I don't know. Part and part of what I like to do on this podcast is is connect dots. And uh, how did how did I get here? Yeah, as David Byrne would say. Um. So, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that... And, and then, you know, again, Jumbo Special, uh, another tree off of Mikado that was even more original and more, you know, arguably interesting and um, uh, provided more of a... Filled more of a hole in the originality void. I was like, we need artists to make interesting music and we need artists to fill this deafening silence or all this, we, to cut through the noise of... Uh, the news and the the commercials and the the traffic and the the bitching like we need just we need people to make joyful sounds and uh, and and Jumbo Special did that in Colorado with uh, Macon and Parker uh, Macon Terry and Parker Trevathan uh, Parker Trevathan another he went to China and started a dead band again that- this diaspora <laughs> that started you know and if you look at where Willard's gone we kept Mikado. Arguably, the greatest thing we did was introduce the world to Matt Case uh-huh. and introduce the world to Joe Willing. Yeah. Um, if that was the uh, quiet Hattiesburg entry, man, Hattiesburg, as, as local, I call him, I like yeah. to call him Hattiesburg man on the sax and flute, um, <laughs> and he was just as ready to get weird as anyone I've ever met. And now he has that band Dub Seance yeah. that that does very, that very great, and they're very great. Um, I've got to talented. see them recently. And they have this uh, Asian cat named Andy on the drums who is so fucking good. I can't believe I've never heard of him. Uh, what band is he in? I can't remember. But it's um, – and then uh, 
And then the other band I saw that weekend was the Asmaris with Dub Seance, and they play Mulatu Estake style Ethiopian Ethiopi- jazz. Ethiopiques. Sounds- Ethiopiques. Yeah, so that's pretty sick. That's super sick. Then uh, that's like that other band I, I showed you, the Krongbin. You know, people are bringing back this kind of like oh yeah Cambodian garage yeah. sound, uh, like Thai fever. Yeah, Dang- oh, William Ogabear fever. Um, yeah, all of that stuff, and and I think that's cool. That what's old is is new again, coming back, and it's not just like straight ahead rock or funk. Yeah, or, uh, tell tell listeners about that band. Like, spell the name and Krongbin. Yeah, uh, K H R A U N G B I N. Um, they're from Houston. Three piece, uh, bass, drums, guitar. Uh, pretty chill. They have a couple albums out. Um, I think that you, if you listen to KUT in Austin, you'll hear a lot of Krongbin bumpers on their uh, broadcast. They play a lot of in- intros and outros with Krongbin music now. Um, and it is somewhere in this kind of like Thai, funk, Cambodian rock. Not a lot of lyrics. Um, if you're familiar with a lot of that, like Cambodian uh pop from back in the 60s that garage rock pop stuff with the female vocalist that's really high pitch kind of shrill um the dengue fever more emulates it's not quite like that uh so there's not a lot of that like vocal presence but similar kind of surfy hollow reverby grooves psychedelic psychedelic um yeah it's pretty good i enjoy it um and it's cool to see bands like that kind of popping up yeah, dengue fever is sick. so good. But they're from they're from LA, right? Krongbin, 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 Krongbin. Sounds um, like some old uh, like a sci-fi horror. Yeah, I have movie. no idea what it what it means. Return of the Krongbin, the Babadook, <laughs> the Babadook. <laughs> yeah, man, I love that band. I uh, I, I use them. You turned me on to them a, a month or two ago, and and I uh, I I played. I used them for the set break music uh, oh, at Dead Eye shows, and, nice. and people were. Telling Grego who running sound that uh, they're really digging the music. So um, I don't know. I love I love instrument. They're instrumental, right? Yeah, pretty much. There's like a little bit of very very little vocals, mm-hmm. um, either in the background sometimes, some whistling, some kind of like harmonizing, mm-hmm. doo doo zoos and whatnot, uh, and a couple songs where there's like some ballady kind of singing, but very few and far between. Um, yeah. Uh, speaking of dead bands, though, how was the J-Rad last weekend? Oh, my I'm God. never really listened to them, but for everything I've heard, it's like it's not really a cover band. It's like a they they kind of put their own, a little bit of their own mustard on there, I guess. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, Joe Russo's Almost Dead is at its core, uh, Russo and Benevento. Okay. You know, you. which they toured for years and have a very cool sound and a very fluid, effervescent, bubbling, um, mm-hmm. like... Uh, they just jam well together. They flow. They they're uh, they're very creative and melodic. Um, and I'd say Russo is very melodic on the drums. Like he, he approaches drums from a um, kind of a cacophonous uh, wall of sound. Um, just really going at like Stanton Moore plays a lot of notes, but uh, they stay out of each other's way, and it's never noisy. Yeah, but they're very busy. Um, you know, you could say the same thing about Tony Williams, like or Elvin Jones, like they play a lot of notes, but it's it's perfect. Like how they play, they're self-actualized, 
badass uh, drummers. And then you had Dave Druitz from Ween mm-hmm. on bass, bass, who is a, uh, a bass god. God. <laughs> Uh, and so he's always great and he's one of the nicest, most humble, uh, friendliest cats. Um, and then you've got Tom Hamilton and Scott Metzger on the guitar duties. Now I'd say if I were to be critical, Scott Metzger, what, what else has he done? I, his name yeah, is so familiar, right? He is in, um, he's in another band. God damn it. What is it? It's not, uh, it's not Mike Gordon's band. Is it? Is that what maybe it? Mm, no, Murkowski, right? Oh, right, Murowski. Murowski. Murowski from uh, that that other band that plays a lot of dead up in New York. Uh, Can't remember their name. With Aquarium Rescue Unit? No. No, no, he was in, uh, Scott Murowski's in um, uh, some Northeast band that plays dead really well. And, and they're like, they've been, they were kind of like founders of the jam scene. Um or the one of the founding members, I'd say, like with Mo and String Cheese and Leftover Salmon, which String Cheese and Leftover Salmon were also at this festival, Waterloo Fest, the first year of Waterloo Fest. Um, or as you so, called it, Waterlog Fest. Waterlog Fest, yeah, because it was the wettest I've ever been at a festival. I mean, it had to be like Woodstock level mud, <laughs> you know, um, Coventry level mud, Coventry level mud, right? Yeah, like I, I left early because I didn't know if my car could get out of the parking lot. So there, I left. A, I left the last string cheese show and, and and whatever was right before that Easy Star All Stars, which I was really looking forward to. I just I'd spent like sixteen hours with my feet in mud and I was sick of it. I just I, I hit my saturation point where I was like I cannot stand in this drizzle any longer. <laughs> even the VIP section, the artist section, it was all underwater. Like maybe you could stand on a plank of wood, but then you're getting drizzled on. How was uh, y'all set? Well, our set was cut short 45 minutes. What? It was, Two 45 minutes or short by 45 No, it was, yeah. It, we were going to play for uh, an hour to an hour and a half, and we got like 45, 40 minutes in. Wow. So it was almost cut in half uh, by the rain. And when I showed up, which was pretty much late for load-in, um, people, the drums weren't set up. People, you know, The stagehands were just kind of sitting around. It was very uh, first year of the festival, except without the, like, sense of urgency or like um you know it's all happening like it was kind of like is this happening and it was funny because i did this live facebook video which i rarely do but i heard people referencing that the whole day like well i, did, I thought today was gonna get canceled until i saw shad's live video and <laughs> and he said it's just pushed back half an hour or you know 45 minutes so we all came so like my live video uh actually got Festival attendees he saved to the Sunday. festival. Well, that day, that day, because Sunday was like rainy and everyone was had two days of festival under their belt and they were like cross-eyed and coming down and, yeah. and hungover and here's this the local dead band on the big stage at at noon or whatever at one and uh you know I was just saying uh, on the live video that hey you know, they're playing everything is awesome from the Lego Movie on the the loudspeaker. Everything's cool and you're part of a team, and uh, <laughs> and so I, I was like, "This is great! What a moment to live video!" And so I did the live thing, which I, I don't think I've ever done before. Maybe we I'll were wait. on one. 
we referencing were? the Keystone. Oh, right, right, the Keystone, Keystone yeah. billboard. Yeah, yeah, the stone, uh, ripping stone brewing off. Yeah. Um, that's right. But, yeah, so I don't do it a lot, but sometimes it, it just, you know. You're the, moved. The mood, the mood is there, and, and, and the subject is there. So I was like, hey, you know, it's starting late. This has been an amazing festival. Everyone's spun and, and hung over, but this is going to be like medicine. This is going to be like a, a mimosa or a, a coffee and a... And a joint, you know, or something, or you know, a bong and a blitz. Yeah, a bong and a blitz, or a uh, smoking a pancake. Yeah, yeah, a cup of coffee and an orgasm, you know, something like that. It's gonna get you past that hump. Like next, next chapter, please. Here we go. We're rolling. Um, so it was, uh, it was that kind of thing, and we played really obscure dead because we're like everyone's gonna be playing. We knew there was a very hippie festival and there's going to be a lot of dead being played, which there was with the O'Teal band, which had John Kavlicek and uh, Scott, uh, I mean, Jeff Cominti and, and people that are actually in the dead these days, the current dead and co um, playing dead music. So we're like, well, we've, we've got to play the most obscure shit. So we played here comes sunshine. Greatest story. Um, New Potato Caboose, or no, I'm sorry, doing that rag, New Potato Caboose, U.S. Blues. Like, I guarantee no one's playing any of these songs. Um, and they didn't. No, J-Rad played uh, uh, like a not fade jam into Ruben and Sharice, which Ruben and Sharice was that obscure Jerry song that's enjoyed a lot of popularity in uh, in recent years with dead bands. Uh, that song was repeated by O'Teal's band, and uh, with uh, J-Rad. So they went in Ruben Sharice and they played something else and they did that that suite that the dead would do like he's gone into trucking into the other one and did not fade away. Um, so they tease not fade away at the beginning and they close the show with not fade away I believe. Uh, there was a help, help, help on the way Slipknot in there. Um, I think, oh, help slip throwing stones I think. Anyway, so the cool thing about J-Rad, other than the song selection is classic 70s dead for the most part, is they'll just find little nooks and crannies and jam the shit out of them. And, uh, you know, I love that. Yeah, I think it really captures the spirit of the dead where it's like, hey, uh, we are all about the unknown and the moment and, and improvisation and, uh, and virtuosity. And, and J-Rad is like, what if we just capitalize on all those aspects? But we weren't like kind of um, like jazz is dead or like hemmed in by the jam sections. Yeah. Like, Oh, this is where we jam now. Instead of they're like, here's where you wouldn't jam, but we're going to jam here. Yeah. What's going on with this dog over here? You beast. She is so high maintenance today. Um, So yeah, they play really energetic and they put jams all over the place where you wouldn't expect them. And they, um, they keep you guessing, which I really like, in the way that old fish used to do. Old fish. Yeah, like early 90s fish would do something like Harpua into Okipa into I Didn't Know into Buried Alive into Big Black Furry Creature from Mars into Antelope into Tweezer into Antelope into Tweezer into Antelope into Wilson into Tweezer. And it, you know, that kind of shit. Where you're like, what in the hell is going on? And they did that. Fish recently did that at one of their shows where he's like, it was like an antelope back and forth thing. But uh, for the most part, uh, Fish just kind of gets their their rocks off on certain jam vehicles and you know how they're going to go. And sometimes they're great, sometimes they're boring. 
but um, but J Rad's consistently interesting. And but the uh, you know all effusive praise aside, a lot of people were like, man, they're kind of t- wanking all over this shit. You know, like I think there was a since they're all really good musicians and they're all throwing and there was a, a similar criticism against Jazz is Dead. If you remember that band with T. Lavitz and Jimmy Herring and uh, Jeff Sipe and all those cats. Well, anyway, in the 90s, there was a jazz band that played dead music called Jazz is Dead. And it was T. Lavitz on organ, Jimmy Herring on guitar, um, Billy Cobham or Jeff Sipe or uh, the dude from Dixie Dregs would be on um, uh, drums and then and Alfonso Johnson on bass. So just jazz badasses that can do anything but they decide to play dead and they make it real kind of like jazz hey <laughs> like a real uh uh like overt changes and and huge accents and and stuff the dead were just would just kind of gloss over you know um they're much more pointed and 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 virtuosic whereas the dead really worked well as a unit and they're like look jerry and phil are just gonna go off and we're all gonna support that um, so in some of these later jazzy dead bands, you have everybody just throwing everything at it. But, uh, at the core of J rad, you have, uh, Dave drew it's J- Joe Russo and Marco Benevento. And they're just so good. Uh, they're so pretty and, and the, uh, melodies are pure. And, um, I, I like that band a lot. I think they're probably the best dead band as far as creativity, the best dead band for traditional, um, traditional dead is dark star orchestra. Uh, and I say that knowing dead and companies out there also a cover band of themselves or a tribute band of themselves at this point. <laughs> uh, and then I'd say dead eye somewhere in the middle, whereas we're traditional, but we also take it to places, you know, that other dead bands don't, we get a lot more edgy. We get a lot more funky. We get a lot more, uh, punk than a lot of dead bands. And I think it's, uh, that's, that's what we do. You know, that's, that's our angle on this thing. But it was so great to have uh, a jam band festival again. Yeah. Um, I mean, I just felt like that was, was part of why we had moved? a jam band festival. I know. Well, ACL was a, like a jam band festival for a while. I yeah. mean, they had more jammers. You, you could see Medeski and Fish and, and String Cheese and, you know, yeah. uh, Widespread or whatever. Galactic, but Galactic. Yeah. I mean, it was more of a jam band thing. Now it's more of a top 40 thing, I think, with some like legacy acts for the main stages like the anchors for example this year we have paul mccartney metallica jay-z uh no childish gambino childish gambino jay-z was last year right yeah um childish gambino is donald glover lando from the new star Wars. okay so he has two names he's got yeah he's okay i was confused about that his name is donald glover he okay. does like he was on like community and he has that show on I don't even know what channel FX the uh oh. Atlanta. It's supposed to be really good. Okay, so his musical name is Childish Gambino. Yeah. But David Burns coming, he's he's in smaller font we're on go, the poster. We're going to that concert. Cool. At the Hog. Are nice. you gonna be in attendance of that? No, because I'm gonna see him at ACL. Mm. Um the tickets are expensive, so I was like, I'm not gonna pay for this twice. I'd rather Yeah, just... we're not going to ACL. So well, I'm playing ACL, so oh, I get free tickets. So that's, that's fancy. It's a good place to. Yeah, I'm actually playing both weekends. This will be my third or fourth year to do it, and uh, I play with the Barton Hills Choir. Oh yeah, I remember that. So yeah, we play with the kiddos, and they um, last year we did some dead tunes and some like um, 
like kind of rock and roll songs. And then uh, this year we're doing the last half of uh, Abbey Road. Okay. And Wild Wildlife. So yeah, you know, they're cover. They don't have their cover band basically with kids singing the high parts. The high parts. So I don't know. I it's uh it's fun. We don't really put a lot of time into it, but it's just it's it's a great way to like get on that poster and to get into that festival and have free drinks the whole weekend. And this year I'm not even playing drums, so I'll just be playing like percussion and both weekends, free pass. That's hilarious. I, it's it's such. You a, played drums last year, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Last last two or three years, I played drums, but this year is uh, percussion because their regular drummer that I that I'm the stunt double for will be there for both uh, performances. But I guess he felt sorry for me or something, and uh, or just like having me. Yeah, <laughs> like having the hang, uh, having me in the in the pool. So yeah, they they're like, how about percussion? I was like. Yeah, because I just bought congas, or I was given congas. Uh, I was actually talking about that on the podcast. My buddy John Gerber. Uh, do you know Gerber? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, lovely man. He's he's known all about town because he's kind of like a uh, schmoozer in chief for Southern Glazers. Okay. Yeah. So he's he's just like a very social guy and and a lovely man and fun to be around. But. I was, he, you know, his daughter was learning to be a drummer, so we would trade, like, I'd trade my old cymbals for a cognac, or, <laughs> you know, we've been kind of exchanging booze, and this time he gave me congas and deer meat, like venison, and I gave him nothing. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know, I was just in the right place at the right time, he wanted to clear some space out of his freezer in his, his room. That's and funny. so I have congas now, so I'm... Last night I was tooling away on the congas, trying to learn uh, the Abbey Road. But that is the, maybe the greatest thing the Beatles ever did was yeah. that last the B side of Abbey Road. You know that whole "You never give me your money" mm-hmm. through the end. What's it called? It has a name. It's like the does it something sweet Abbey Road sweet? Maybe it's the Abbey Road sweet. But that shit's awesome. Here comes uh, here comes the sunshine. No, not here. No, no, no. Here, the Sun King. Here comes the Sun, sun King. King. And. Uh, you never give me your money. Uh, the whole mean Mister Mustard, Mister Mustard, Polythene Pam, um, carry that weight. Mm-hmm. The end, and uh, Her Majesty. I don't think we're doing Her Majesty. Well, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, that's an easy one to nail. It is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, but the weird thing is, is that uh, David Byrne will be playing Wild Wild Life. I guarantee. And I know Paul McCartney, based on that webcast he did last week, will be playing the end of Abbey Road. So it's like, hey, here's a shittier version of what our <laughs> heroes are going to be playing in just a few hours. Yeah. Stay tuned. That's fine, though. Forget it's fine. Yeah, it's kids. Kids. You know? Yeah. It's no like, one's going to be like, those kids really butchered. Yeah, blah, blah, those kids blah. suck. Said <laughs> no one ever. Uh, yeah, they're fun. They, you know, I don't even know if they like it. it. It's such a weird thing. It's like we don't really work that hard at it. We get to play at one of the most, in my opinion, one of the best festivals in the world. Um, and... You know, it's kind of the anchor of Austin Kitty Limits. It gets press and stuff, but we do very little. At least I do very little work for it. You know, I just kind of show up, rehearse. <laughs> some good and, benefits, it sounds like, for very little uh, effort. Yeah, I kind of roll it into the whole being a musician thing, where it's like, yeah, you're gonna play all those dead. Like Mikado used to play all those gigs at um, uh, that little shitty Brazilian joint on Sixth Street. And or the vibe or whatever, no one would be there. And or Brazilian joint, 
Yeah, there was like a Brazilian joint kind of uh, by Easy Tiger. Uh, uh, it was Easy Tiger. Empanada Parlor. It, Empanada Parlor, yeah. It, yeah was, it was Easy Tiger. But they would play like uh, samba music in yeah. there and bossa nova music and uh, bossa nova. Uh, I can't say that without sounding I, like I went to the y'all's uh, South by Southwest showcase uh, showcase at the Empanada Parlor. Mm. And it was raining. Mm. Phil Johnson and myself and Morgan probably. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was great. All right, cool. I'm pretty sure we were completely sideways, and y'all ripped our faces like right off. Yes, Salvia, uh, Salvia. <laughs> Salvia. When you got to like the blood flow, blood river flow, yeah, just like yep, river. feeling that. Roll on. That's funny. Yeah, what a great. Then we went to see Palm Snapshot. play at the Church of the Friendly Ghost. And that's oh, a place. Is that even a venue yeah. still? What is that now? I don't even know. Maybe. Maybe I'm not cool enough to know about places like Friendly Ghosts. I days. saw this group that Willard was in called the End of the World Orchestra at one of those east side. It was something station, like Banville Station or some weird <laughs> sure. shit. Sure. <laughs> it looked like an old, uh, like it'd be a, a train stop. Okay. In the old world almost. like it was like in the a, old world. Yeah. Like, you know, they would have just this. They'd build a building where the train stops because there's a town nearby. Yeah. And it'd just be like this kind of... A depot. Like a sh- chapel or... It's yeah, a, a depot. <laughs> and they played in there. And it, it, was, it was a shitty little venue, but it was uh, next level music. God. Uh, so anyway, I just think you play enough of these shitty shows to nobody. You know you're going to get the ones that pay off. Every now and then yeah. you're going to get the uh, the ACL uh, nod. And you get to play in front of uh, a thousand people. And you get a VIP pass to the world. And you get to hang out with Ice Cube and... Uh, uh, what's that South African band that was uh, Antwerp? You know, like those weirdos. I am your butterfly. I need some protection. You know that band? I do not. Antwerp. They wear like white makeup and they have bleached blonde hair and they're skinny, like kind of white trash, like maniacs from South Africa. And they speak Afrikaans, so it's hard to understand. And they're just fucking weird. But they have this kind of like melodic hip hop kind of modern festival music kind of sound. Okay. You know, um, like imagine like Flaming Lips meets. Um, I've never seen the Flaming Lips. It's oh, a, man, it's a I'm bummer. Swinging a myth. Uh, Flaming Lips one time played it. Uh, they played this show. The last time I saw the Lips was Auditorium Shores, where they do the Fourth of July celebration every year in Austin. And uh, they played the first set was just a psychedelic, weird, jammed out experimental avant-garde set and then they played a set of yoshimi like the whole album and i was like this is exactly what i love about these guys like this crazy visual show with these tentacles of leds that would were coming from the ceiling like they 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 drape these giant like imagine uh like plastic intestines that have are just coursing with led lights just pulsing through them and uh, all these different colors, and it's just it's it's like the un, the upside down from Stranger uh, Things, where uh, these these tentacles are just wrapped around the whole stage. That's a huge fucking stage, right? So, and then there's these um, spheres. Like if you took the globe and you chopped, you know, maybe the top fifth off. So you just have you made these, it flat. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you mean the earth? Yeah, the, you're a flat earther, right? Um, so yeah, just kind of like a uh, those exercise balls that are flat yeah. and then spherical on top. So those were made out of mirrors, and they were like uh, warts all over the stage. So they were shooting the, these LEDs shooting through tubes all over the place, 
And then that was an, on top of a top, you know, top notch. Um, and that was in addition to a top notch light show. Um, and then on, you know, it, just to seal the deal, it would have been great if I was deaf, <laughs> but the music was pretty compelling too. And, and he was holding like a baby, like a doll, a baby doll it, uh, swaddled up and just held it the whole time and would pet it. That's fucked up. Dude, it was like David Firth. Like we were talking about salad fingers earlier. You know, listeners, if you haven't watched any David Firth animations on YouTube, please do that. Like stop the podcast and go watch salad fingers one through six right now. I prefer the milkman. Or yeah, if you're ready for the ultra salad fingers is a long, you can get, you can, there's a, Quite a rabbit hole of Salad Fingers. They've made too many episodes of Salad Fingers. I think fingers. it was 10. Yeah. Really peaks at one, though. It's kind of like the House of Cosby's. The House of Cosby's. That's hilarious. Theo! <laughs> Rudy! <laughs> Rudy! <laughs> Theo! Anyway, yeah, it was it was that level of weirdness. Like David Firth level weirdness. <coughs> I've been watching, speaking of YouTube... I've been watching um, a couple uh, channels that are um, that review movies and and weirdness. And one's called Film Theory, and it's this guy who watches movies and or YouTube's, and um, you know he tackles things like Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared, or Wonder Shows in, or any of these weird fucking psychedelic cartoons we used to watch when we were younger. Yeah. Aqua Teen. Aqua Teen, Hunger Force, uh, Space Ghosts, you know, all these weird fucking, like the beginning of, of uh, do-it-yourself entertainment on, and like, oh, I don't need a, a TV producer. I don't need a, a engineer. I can just do these lo-fi YouTubes, and I have a million followers, you know, subscribers. So, uh, yeah, that show had this... Um, this psychedelic thing, um, and the flaming lips are awesome. Go see them. So anyway, uh, film theory was discussing this show called "Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared," which was uh, kind of like Wonder Shows, and where it's like a Sesame Street knockoff, where there's kind of puppets and and like Muppets or whatever, and they uh, are going to talk about things like technology or creativity or you know uh, time, you know, just kind of basic concepts. But then it goes fucking dark, you know, it goes like real dark. And uh, one of the Muppets is, you know, for example, is, is being having his entrails torn out like a zombie movie. And he's just confused and scared. And, and it's all, you know, abrasive uh, lighting and, and, and really like kind of what's that? Uh, d- um, uh, dove style, like uh, dubstep. <laughs> yeah, dubstep, just like really edgy. Uh, kind of industrial sounds behind it. You're like, this is some scary shit. <laughs> uh, so I love, and Wonder Shows and uh, another one in that catalog uh, of just disturbing. It looks like it'd be a show for kids, but it's totally for adults. Um, so film theory dissects that, and they were looking. The one I was watching yesterday I was looking at Wally, which is a post-apocalyptic Pixar movie where. Uh, the premise is basically like we trash this planet, like we get up to peak civilization, and then the the garbage just buries us, and we have to escape on a giant kind of Enterprise style uh, space station, or um, we have to flee the planet. 
and and so humans live on this um this space station that that is heading for something you know it's a it's a spaceship but it's kind of like a space station like a death star type thing uh without any of the weapon capabilities but yeah so all these fat fucks are heading to the new earth or whatever and meanwhile bots are back on the planet terraforming earth like basically what we're going to talk what we're, what Elon Musk is talking about doing uh on Mars uh that's what Wally and his robot com- compadres are doing on earth like basically making it uh making plants grow again Bell can you shut up please Oh my god! She have like sleep apnea. I don't know. Maybe she uh, has indigestion. Uh, yeah, no. Uh, She's anyway. like wheezed herself awake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> god, I'm noisy. Uh, anyway, so the theory he was talking about is how do all these fat fucks keep eating on this space station? Because it's 700 years of living with like 500,000 people on a spaceship. Like, and they're all like super obese, right? Yeah, they're all obese as fuck. Yeah, it's it's kind of like idiocracy. And this is a, a yeah, it's like this is like a documentary. This is not a yeah, right. Well, that's why Wally's so good is because it's rare that Pixar tackles the post-apocalypse and how we might survive it and look at it. You know, like as fat fucks, apparently. Yeah, well, I mean, it's definitely dystopian for a cartoon. But again, that's back to the fish uh, thing where. <laughs> They're singing laughing, laughing, fall apart, but you're peeling your face off because you're scared. Yeah. Uh, it's that um, contrast that I love. Yeah, I think it's great to be like, um, have these dark messages ensconced in the kind of flowery, uh, easy to digest, friendly, uh, Sesame Street style uh, delivery or uh, imagery. Um, so anyway, film theory. And then the other one I've been watching is called Red Letter Media. And they do this show, Half in a Bag, Fuck Movies. And it's just these, like, Wisconsiners that uh, di- dissect movies. And they're kind of from the, or at least the, the main guy, Mike Stoklasa, is uh, a Trekkie and a, and a Star Wars guy. So I think you would dig it. Oh, you've seen it. Mr. Plinkett's Reviews. So mm-hmm. he that's their, like, ex- serious, that's, serious that's one. That's the, like... Well, it's serious in the fact that there's high production quality. Like, he has a character that he plays, and he makes little movies within the review, and he uses a lot of editing to show you what he's talking about, right? So Mr. Plinkett's is like, I'm going to pick one movie, and we're going to go, like, 45 minutes and do what I think about it, and then half in the bag is, like, 20 minutes. So it's just kind of like, hey, we both watch this movie. We're going to talk about it because we're film dorks. And um, anyway... They've been so enjoyable that I almost don't even need to watch. I feel like I don't want to watch. The enjoyment I get out of just them talking about it and the length of time it takes and the length of money and effort, I'm just like, fine. Y'all watch the movie. Tell me about it. That's some idiocracy shit right there. So I can get back to podcasts and books on tape and, and, and learning congas and guitar and stuff, you know, or whatever, you know, learn how to cook. Um because movies take up a huge chunk of time, God damn it! And recently, they've not been paying off. Uh, so, it's fun to hear someone talk about what happened in the movie, and then take it a step further with an analysis. And when you find uh, really smart people that know their craft well, those analyses can be uh, more entertaining than the movie itself. So, I've been I've been really digging those too, as far as uh, what's going on out there. Um, and then there's uh, uh, other. Kind of media news is is Red Dead Redemption's coming out, which is the open world 
PlayStation game that uh, or Rockstar games that it's like a, it's like a Vice City or a, a GTA in old the old west. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's a new one. Yeah, yeah, it's coming out in October. So anyway, that's coming out and now there's these services like Twitch where you can watch people play them. And uh man, it's a lot cheaper and you can still see the cutscenes and kind of get the idea like if you're not a diehard gamer as I am not. Um, you've lived with some of them, and you know yes. they're not me. Uh-huh. Like it's a different cat. That's a different a breed, different world, different thing. Yeah, like gamers are crazy. If you've ever lived with a gamer, you would know. Yeah, sixteen, eighteen hours a day of yeah. series, just going for it. Can you imagine? I cannot imagine. No, you can. You've lived with. I it. mean, yeah. I mean, my own self doing it though. Ugh. No, I know. Just sitting still that long. I can't well. even watch a, a football game. <laughs> and some people have football marathons on Sundays, you know? Whereas you and I, you know, we go to church and then we come <laughs> podcast. That's like, right. Like good Americans. Just kidding. We didn't go to church. We went to, to meet church. We went to Valentina's. I am back on the meets. Meet. And uh, we picked a meet destination to meet. And uh, we met at uh, south of Slaughter, a a mile or two south of Slaughter Lane on uh, Manchaca, or as locals call Manchac. In the town of Manchac. Is it in the town of Manchac? It is in the town of Manchac. Okay. I still call it Manchaca. Manchaca. I lived in Spain too long to be butchering uh, Spanish words. I didn't call it San Filipe when I lived in Houston. It was Felipe. So we had uh, the Valentina's uh, barbacoa and brisket. And it's arguably the best in, in town. You know, you yes. work for Franklin's and we both, I think on the last podcast, were uh, spewing praise for how good his shit is. But the uh, the um, the weight is insufferable. I don't, again, I'm not patient. <laughs> I can't watch a football game. And I sure as hell can't sit in a six-hour line. I can't <laughs> play a video game six, 16 hours a day. But I maybe catch a little bit on Twitch just to get the idea. See, yeah, I've never really thought about doing anything like that um you you know we're both pretty busy people in our adult lives in our real lives um and not being much of a gamer i just you know there's there are games that i'm definitely like damn i kind of wish i was a gamer to play those games like the mainly like the new (laughs) star wars like battlefront those look pretty awesome yeah but i mean who has the time to fucking play video games they're expensive they're very expensive um and beyond that it's a huge time suck yeah and i like to read i like to read and do other things that require me not playing video games living with calhoun in that video game kind of hell starcraft hell it's pretty intense i mean even Pete Powers, one he, he was my roommate for a while with Joseph. He was all about Knights of the Old Republic. So he would play that for like 12 hours a day while Joseph played StarCraft for like 10 hours a day. Just like, what in the hell is going on? You know? Yeah. How can this be interesting to you for so long? It's a drug. It's a drug. <laughs> it's an endorphin. It does a thing. lot of the same stuff inside your head brain. But yeah, so do you know what Twitch is? Yeah, yeah, or okay. Periscope and Twitch, like the yeah. same kind of... I don't know about Periscope. I know Periscope's kind of like a, you can live broadcast from anywhere. Yeah, I thought people um, also did the same thing with like the video games. But I know it. Twitch is like strictly... Strictly video games. Yeah, so you yeah, can watch aren't people Aren't there people play. like shooting people's houses and stuff because of things that happen on uh, game? Maybe, uh, but there was, you know, I was tweeting about this a couple weeks ago. 
think in the beginning of September was a, or maybe the end of August was a, uh, John Madden football yeah. um, Twitch event in Jacksonville, yep. and some maniac shot three or four people. It's completely normal. I mean, and and the, it was super fucked up. The video uh, you could see this the laser pointer uh, aim on the dude's chest moments before you hear him get shot. So the camera was like focus on him, and the very last frames you see this red dot float over his chest, and then it goes back to the game, and that's when you hear the gunshots, and those two dudes are dead. You know, this whole uh, digital world uh, and, like, how we are becoming our digital avatars. And when you think about, um, uh, well, I was thinking that Don't Hug Me, I'm Scared technology episode or uh, or Avatar or uh, The Matrix or anything like this is, like, you know, when when the online virtual world becomes so sexy that we, and, and there's already people that are balls deep in the digital kind of gaming world and and you know probably think of themselves as you know nacho 642 as yeah. much as they do uh john I mean, they've made millions of dollars selling crap on Fortnite or whatever yeah yeah it's exactly like, huh? or like yeah i mean <laughs> how i was told that video games were gonna make you fat and stupid and in fact if you're really good at it and know how to get yourself on the internet playing it you can make millions of dollars playing yeah. video games this is the guy the rad brad who's probably the rad brad yeah the rad brad you know this guy no anyway <laughs> yeah just this guy who's great at headshots you know and loves video games and he's really good at narrating them eventually people notice that and start paying him and sponsoring him and giving him free shit and then before you know it he's playing games before anyone else is getting before the games are released and so people can just watch him cruise through the whole game like a boss. And uh, you're like, oh, well, that's how I would like to play the game. Instead of, say, you buy the game and you fuss around with it and you – it's it's hard, you know? These games are not intuitive. Like, you can't just play Grand Theft Auto. I liked Grand Theft Auto, uh, Vice City. That was the one that uh, – It's a fucking great game. It's a fucking great game. And, you know, you could – it was just stupid. You know, you could do the, the story – yeah, and like go through the mission and try to do all the little Easter egg crap and uh-huh. jumps and cameras and you can all find hidden shit, hidden shit. But you know, sometimes you just have a shitty day at work and come home and get the katana out and go cruise around and get to six stars and get in your tank and shoot the FBI. You know, whatever. <laughs> like America, like that was pretty sweet. You know, it's pretty sweet. Uh, and it's more attractive than real life for most people. So I think yeah, that's, I mean, that's how the virtual reality world threatens the real I've world. Ni- I've neither read or seen uh, Ready Player One, but I know that that's a big part of that too, is right? It's like it's um, there's some game that is like the real world, and then the real world is like total garbage basically. Mm, um, because everyone goes into the new easily or, manipulatable. Yeah, like everything you do in your life happens in the whatever the fucking fake world is the matrix whatever you want to call yeah, it yeah virtual world i mean the digital world yeah you know and it's the same allegorical sci-fi crap that's going on in every sci-fi but i love that yeah me too i can't believe i haven't seen ready player one i just heard it wasn't that great i mean did you ever read and or i mean are you familiar with dune do you like dune yeah yeah i read dune you read dune did yeah. you read all the trilogy of dune like uh, the i read most of it prophet of dune and the children of dune i didn't get that deep into it but i did read the first book and a half well maybe two i read them i don't know sometime in the i saw the show early mid 2000s and uh I know you love that guy. I do love that guy. He's your, he's your Agent, guy. Agent Cooper, man. Yeah. He's my, my boy. Um, 
But anyway, so when I read those books, it made me think about The Matrix, and then I watched The Matrix again, and especially the second and third ones, and I felt like they were very, very much ripping off the actions of the second Dune. I mean, pretty much the whole thing is like, it's the same thing as Dune, if you think about Neo. Neo is the one. Paul is the one. He's the Kwisatz Hadrach, and you know Neo is like whatever the hell he is in there, and they basically have the, savior. the, the, the same thing. They learn the how to how to. He's like the Luke the, Skywalker of Matrix. Yes, but he's very much more like Paul Atreides, and in, in that he learns this way of being and how to manipulate the world around him, which is what Paul does. And at one point, Neo loses his eyesight. Right, he loses his eyes. Like get burned out of oh, his yeah. head or some shit. Same thing happens to Paul Atreides, and for a whole, I thought he got blue eyes. Yeah, but in the, the next book, in the Prophet of Dune, he there's like a nuclear blast, and he his eyes burn out of his head or some oh. shit. Whatever, I don't even remember exactly what happened, but that's the gist of it. And then after that, he has like prescient sight, where he can just see what's happening around him, just like Neo can, uh, because of you know his ability to intuit. Like that, I like being like Anakin Skywalker and being so in tune with the Force that he can see everything that's happening in a room or whatever. Mm. Same shit. Like he had a visual construct, so he didn't even need eyes. He just like walked around and was like, "Oh yeah, I'm the fucking, I'm the man. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Messiah. Yeah, Dune Messiah, not prophet, not prophet. Yeah, of Dune, Dune Messiah. That's the second Dune Messiah. And in that one, Paul Atreides has no eyes, and Neo has no fucking eyes. He has blue eyes. He does in the first one. And the he gets the the, they get the blue Um, eyes from the spice. From the spice. Spice makes your eyes turn blue. Yeah. Is is there a spice-like substance in Matrix? There's a... Well, there's like the... Plugging yourself into the Matrix. In Star yeah. Wars, there's a spice. Yeah, the Force. No, the spice. I mean, the chlorines. There's that drug called the spice. Is there? Yeah, spice. There's a drug Spice mines of Kessel. The yeah. spice mines of Kessel. I, see, I was thinking like... No, man, spice know, is a drug. People get all cumin. fucked up on it. Like, it's like heroin and psychedelics mixed into one. Oh, it's pretty I did dumb. not know that. It's pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good stuff, apparently. People get all fucked up on spice. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's what you smuggle spice. That's what Han Solo dropped when Jabba the Hutt was mad at him for dropping his load in the in space, you know? Oh. It was drugs. He was a petty drug runner. Yeah. For a giant slug. Yeah, I hope Solo comes Puts out a little bit of a darker, darker tinge on that, doesn't it? You it know? does. No, I like he it. Was it running, needs some darkness. He was running drugs for the space worm. Space goop. Yeah. Space goop. The space goop. Space gook. Space gook. Oh, that's that's an Andrew Dice Clay word. Here comes the gook. You ever want to get out of a relationship right before you come, just be like, here comes the gook. They will never sleep with you again. They might never talk to you again. Yeah, probably never talk to you. But you're out. You're out. Oh, man. Make a new plan, Stan. Yeah. Without the bag, Jack. Anyway, <laughs> Dune is great. Uh, also about also about terraforming. It also gets back into terraforming towards the end of the Children of Dune. The young uh, Leto becomes one of the sandworms, uh, the sand trout, and turns into a sandworm. And there's like a whole bunch of books later on, like God Emperor of Dune and stuff that happened a thousand years later. But by then, he's completely terraformed Arrakis into a lush water-filled planet instead of a desert 
Man, that's a cool technology. Terraforming. I don't know what that means, really. Like, how are you well, gonna? That make... was the whole thing that spawned the entire like idea of Dune by Frank Herbert. He was he worked for like, the Forest Department, and he was really into the idea oh. of terraforming because oh. they would do it for estuaries. We're gonna have to do like it that. here. Yeah, I, mean, I we hate when do we it. talk about terraforming Mars. It's like, can we just we, bring we do back it here some all of the time. deserts? Oh, we, I mean, they're doing. I mean, if you you can go around a couple places in Austin, you can see some uh, terraforming. Oh. Um, Central Market, uh, Central Park, up forty uh, first and Lamar that park right behind Central Market yeah. there's a totally terraformed estuary like oh. and wetland back there that's cool there's one right there by the library um, downtown downtown by the um, Seaholm power plant there's mm-hmm. that turnaround Santa Maria Marita oh, Way that new bridges all that stuff that right there where like Lamar San and Cesar Chavez there's some estuary like water water like wetland areas that they've they've terraformed over yeah, there yeah that's cool like that stuff is you know interesting yeah um, but with the deforestation uh, going on and, and the desertification like I would really think we should we have a lot of opportunity to practice whatever we're going to try on Mars here, and it would be a lot more helpful, and it'd be a better use. It'd be cheaper to do. Could also be and very disturbing helpful. here for the climate. Disturbing, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, aren't more plants what we need to absorb all this carbon dioxide? Oh, ultimately, and uh, give us more oxygen. What if we do the whole uh, put wind and solar in the Sahara and we terraform it back into? Uh, you know, grasslands. Yeah. And then we deforest the entire Amazon basin to offset that. You don't need to, that's the thing. You don't need to offset green grass. I mean, it's going to happen anyway. Yeah. We may as well, you know, plan for it. Yeah. All of Northern Africa is going to be sand. Yeah. And, and the whole, uh, Middle East is going to be sand. It is sand pretty much. Man, we have to give science and ecology a shot. You know, like we have to let that into the, national conversation more you know like i think han solo himself was on the internet the other day like we need people who believe in science and power like yeah please yeah he's Except pissed up the fucking data that it is getting hotter here and we it's too late i mean i can't believe that seattle and portland have uh, they're in the top 10 worst air pollution in the world like and you think of places like delhi or uh, you know, Beijing or fucking Bangalore or whatever, you know, Calcutta, you're like, these places are filthy. Like there's, there's the plague, there's disease coming out, you know, every corner there's uh old school shit. We forgot about like, there's like smallpox and mumps and shit, you know, like uh, things the first world doesn't have to worry about. And it's mainly cause of just all the garbage that we keep making. And it's crazy. You know, it's like, and, and I hear this, this argument, like, why are we talking about Mars when we could be doing these same things for cheaper that would be more helpful here on this planet, you know? Like we have Boyan Slat with his freaking plastic cleanup device hey, out I'm in the Pacific. That. I like that. I it's think amazing. That's, I think that's great. So awesome. I remember hearing about that a few years ago. He was like what, 16, 17? Yeah, but I mean, how much have you heard about it on the news? Not at all. Like ecology PR talks a... about it a lot. They've been talking about it for years. Well, good. But I mean, I'm just saying like as far as when I go to the gym and I'm exposed to Fox or 18 yeah channels of mainstream tv i'm like that's not being talked about it's no. football it's celebrity bullshit it's donald trump it's donald, donald, trump, trump, donald trump, trump donald trump it's uh russia 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 it's uh bachelor 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 <laughs> that's all i see you know and maybe some weather we'll take a little weather breaks or like mass shooting breaks yeah or hurricane breaking emergency natural disaster natural disaster. yeah emergency uh broadcast so um more than likely a shooting yeah, a lot of shootings. This year has been like we've been on 
pace, just mass shootings every Rife. weekend. Rife. You know, we're, we're fortunate to live here where things aren't that polluted, things aren't that not green. Um, people tend to give a shit, but we're surrounded by people that don't. What is this? Yeah. This is Riesling from mm. Germany. Gunther. Yeah. Vintricker. Geers- Geer- How do you say that second word? Geersley? Oh, yeah. Geersley. Geersley? Geersley. Geersley. Vintricker Geersley. Um, yeah, so what we're talking about is ecology. We're talking about terraforming Mars. We're talking about sci-fi. We're talking about this uh, virtual oh, oh. world. This modern world of the last dying gasp of getting away with lies and double speak and and political fuckery and corruption and to this more blockchain world of videos constantly running and people constantly being taped. You know, like how many tapes have we heard come out of the White House this year? That never uh, would have happened without all these iPhones everywhere. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, you have a computer and a listening device in your pocket. Uh, I mean... You should have a no cell phone policy. You shouldn't be allowed to carry your cell phone around in the White House. Yeah. I mean, if you're at work. They have them at comedy shows. Yeah. Like at Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle, you have to put your phone in a little pouch that you can't yeah. open without leaving the building. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to so me. So everyone leaves the building a lot. Very distracting. Fail. I'm fascinated back to like the Musk, uh, Elon Musk with his Occupy Mars shirt on the Rogan podcast. You know, like I keep hearing... We're going to terraform, we'll terraform Mars. We'll, we'll be there in 30 years. We'll be, you know, we're talking. Like, what, can we just do the moon first, maybe? Like, it seems so much closer. Yeah, and but that could be a leapfrog. That could be a, a leap, uh, what do you get, a lily pad maybe, to Mars. I mean, the, the moon doesn't have any atmosphere. Mars has a super weak atmosphere. Oh, but I thought they both had no atmosphere. Mars has some atmosphere, oh. just like super, super shitty atmosphere right i mean that's the whole thing is that if we terraform it it'll create oxygen and create a more robust atmosphere yeah whereas the moon has nothing nothing you know it's just a rock and we couldn't terraform the moon no but we could have some sort of base sure i think like it would be like a sci-fi base we, i don't think we're there yet right i mean i guess you have the size the, the space station why can't we just have it exactly on, on, if we can have one floating around. hit by something and then that would be fucked well the moon has obviously <laughs> been pummeled with asteroids. <laughs> you put 25 people up there on a station and then it gets flattened yeah uh people are gonna be sad they're gonna be like we can't send anybody to mars now because they got killed on the moon yeah no, I, it just seems like a, a smart jumping. Let's we'll go for broke and go like, straight to Mars. Like to get out of our atmosphere takes all this energy and it creates all this heat and. Well, to get out of the waste. gravitational. Yeah, to get out, pull, to get into orbit, it takes a lot of energy, yeah. a lot of time, a lot of a lot of. Uh, it's a very intense process, a very expensive process. Um, we're dropping like giant fuel tanks into the ocean and we're, you know, we have to, they retrieve those. Though. We have to send rockets up to refuel it. It's a very involved thing. So I'm fascinated with, uh, and you hear about space force from Trump recently. Space force, space force, space force, lock her up, build the wall. Yeah. It's an, it's his, it's his latest addition to, uh, little boy blue. Hey, Oh, back to Andrew Dice Clay. 
You know, like like I say this one thing, you chant this other thing. We're all jamming together. This is cacophony He's chorus of hate. Be President Scrooge. Screw was that what Scrooge? Scroo- He's gonna be President Camacho. You know, like yeah, next from, is just uh, like Spaceballs. Scrooge, what is it? Scrooge. I can't Scrooge, remember. Scrooge. No, Mel, 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 Mel Brooks. He is. The I thought president. he was a Yoda. He's or both. Yogurt. He's both. He's both. He's very talented. All right, Bubbles is like, hey, I'm coming over now. Hey, what's going on, guys? <laughs> Taking a break? Hell yeah. yeah Scratch my ass. Scratch my ass. Oh, that feels good. Every time. Yeah, so this whole sci-fi thing, I love, you know, every time I see you, I, I think about Star Wars, which leads me to, like, this future we have where we're an interplanetary species. And a lot of the things we've been talking about uh, on this podcast uh, keep leading to this overall idea, which I think if we look 50 years in, in the future... You'll, it, when we're 50 years in the future, we can look back on this podcast and be like, yeah, you know, they were uh, they were actually kind of thinking about the immediate future as far as the big kind of sci-fi picture of the evolution of the human species. Um, or is it going to be like you listening to old Mikado tapes and we're going to be like, <laughs> look yeah, at how stupid. That's... We, they didn't think about all these things that just yeah. happened and yeah, you're right. leapfrogged right over all the things yeah. that they thought were going to happen. Yeah, I saw a tweet. Because think about the last 20 years, right? I mean, we've seen a m- unbelievable telescoping in, in technological advancements. Oh, my God. iPhones are 15, 10 years old. Uh, something like that. 10 years old now. It's and crazy. that's crazy. And there's just, it's, they're we're part so of us. conditioned. There's a whole generation where they don't know anything but an iPhone. And uh, that's just the beginning. You know, like yeah. we're the last generation to have like the analog digital crossover. And anything about it like that, that's pretty disturbing. The people that were younger than us didn't have a world without computers. Right. You know, we did. They didn't have 8-tracks. They didn't have Beta Max. They didn't have... uh, You know, giant 5-inch floppy disks, uh, you know, that turn into 3-inch hard disks. Film projectors. That turn into USB sticks that are, you know, fucking 128 gigs. And you're like, what? Yeah, like how (laughs) we can just send a video to the other side of the world immediately. And and we didn't, we, we we were in the world of delayed gratification. We had glass ketchup bottles. Uh, You know, you had to thump on it to get ketchup out. Yeah, we didn't have a milkman. No, but but I'm just saying, like, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, when people were but bringing, like, you know, if you're or... younger than us, you you pretty much live in a world completely dominated by technology. Um, very little room for going outside and whacking a tree with a stick, you know, yeah. or getting lost in a creek. Uh, yeah. You get lost in a creek, and there's a fucking amber alert. Yeah, out, you know, on your phone that's in your pocket. You're like, oh fuck, I'm missing. I gotta yeah. get home. I'm uh, <laughs> yeah, like nowadays when we watch kids riding around on bikes, like in Stranger Things, it's so amazing. You it's know, like, whoa, like, kids are outside. Kids are outside, free range on a bike. Yeah, they're not even wearing a helmet. <laughs> uh, just doing whatever the hell I mean, they want, getting in adventures, not coming home that there- night. A lot of kids around you. Do you ever interact with children? Yeah, I mean, there's kids in this neighborhood, like. The kids across the street will, kids. will ride big wheels in the cul-de-sac and uh, they will um, play frisbee and soccer. And then the kids next to me kind of are really weird and they're like the white kids that never leave the backyard. And when they do go in the front yard, they seem like they haven't been outside in a long time and they're super awkward. They don't, and they just—it's just—they're pale, are, yeah. Uh, they're super pale and pudgy, <laughs> and just look like they just aren't pushed in any area of their yeah. life. You know, I, I feel like this is one like one of the times where I'm around the least amount of kids. Uh, coworkers have the least amount of children, things like that. 
so I'm not exposed to children, but I have had been around some teenagers and they're pretty fucked uh, just in general. Like they are very heavily dependent on their phone, like can't work for long periods of time without being like, I mean, adults either clearly, um, but they're different about it because that's like how they interact with the world. So now they're like forced to interact with the world through human interaction and you're just like, lost you yeah know, this like lost look on your face like if i could only snapchat this to this person in front of me i would yeah. i'm so much better on snapchat yeah or, like, or God, this filter list periscope or whatever the fuck it is uh yeah and that shit's bizarre and you know some of the younger people that that i have to work around they they have like no work ethic they don't understand it they don't know why it's important no concept at all and i think that's all it's definitely all related to the lack of like uh, delayed gratification, you know, like yeah. having to work also hard. violence, discipline, or just having to work hard for something to get something later. It's, right. You have to do very little to get something now. So why does it, you know, why are you going to work hard for something down the road? Like that doesn't seem to make sense. Down yeah. the road doesn't matter, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. A lot of the young people I work with, they they tend to think they can just work in any com- any similar industry any other company you know, as soon as this one gets the slightest bit uncomfortable I'll go to the next one that's just like it and start over and get to be trained and go through this kind of uh, orientation process where you're getting paid to just kind of meet people and be like oh hi yeah oh so I'm from Huntington Beach and I like horses. Uh, this is great. I love working with you people. And and you can just keep jumping from these kind of introductory phases. That's your whole job. Yeah, that's your whole job is going through orientation and interviews. It's like being a 10-year undergrad student. Yeah, yeah. You just constantly – yeah, like undergrad <laughs> students. Yeah, just, I'm, a, I'm a student. Oh, cool. So you are always in your pajamas far out. How's yeah. that going? Your friends are a rotating cast of 18 to 19-year-olds. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh my god! You're 26. Yeah, these kids these days, I tell you, <laughs> no work ethic. Well, it's probably something to do with like we don't have to be in the army anymore. Like all of the generations before ours were had usually a good chance in this country or most Western countries. You're going to be in a war and you're going to have to kill people. That's a huge deal. That now we don't you can have be to in a war anymore. and like be here and play a video game and kill people. Right. So again, that's, the again, blending of the digital blending. and real world. And people were saying that when we were younger, like this, you're just being groomed to do this down the road. Yeah, this is the we'll be co-opted like, by what? the military that industrial complex. Sense. And it's like, no, actually, it's totally true. Flight simulators in the 80s and 90s totally groom people to be like drone pilots now. Yeah. What was that movie in- where they uh, the guy was really good at the arcade game and he had to go fight aliens because of it? Like Starfighter. Starfighter, yeah, yeah. Last Starfighter. The last Starfighter. Right? Great movie. Yeah, it was a great movie. And scary. Genuinely scary Sad. at times. Yeah. Uh, I felt things. Yeah, that's a good movie. Yeah. I think they're remaking that movie. But that's a perfect example. Maybe it's of like, a TV show. Now. If you kick Fuck. ass at video games, you can a make a million dollars like Brad Brad, or you can uh, be contracted by the military industrial complex or Blackwater or something, and and go uh, kill people. But it feels like a game because you. But eventually, don't you think it'll be just autonomous? Uh, soldiers that are just sure indestructible and and they pick their own targets based on a certain oh, that's terrifying algorithm that's very black mirror it is but um, it's also very but true. everything is very swarms black of, of drones are going to be the future of warfare 
Oh yeah, absolutely. It's gonna be terminators. I mean, and here comes a hundred drones, predator drones that are tiny, and they're armed with very deadly shit. And then come the dogs, armed with yeah, the bristling with weapons. Well, the dogs run through after the initial airstrike, and they just clean up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Black Mirror is not that far from where we're headed. I think that's the that's why it's so compelling is because it's what like... What is that episode called? The Black and White uh, one? Metalhead. Metalhead. That yeah. is so fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's so real. Um, and very real. It's already here. Have we not seen those like Boston Dynamics like dog things ever? Yeah. And we see those dog things. You're like, mm, that's terrifying. <laughs> uh, same thing. Yeah, like exactly how many components can you stick on or in one of those things? That well, yeah, Russians, you up? whatever Boston Dynamics come up with, Russians, the Russians are just putting machine guns on them. Yeah. You know? Like, oh, they did that. Let's do they that. did that. Let's make this weaponized. Yeah. The little dude that does the flips for them with the weapons on it. Uh, yeah, he shoots like Chinese stars the whole time. He does the backflips of everything around him. He gets like Chinese star in it. The Russians. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's funny about Russia is like we give Russia so much credence, but like as a country, they are really broke and don't make a lot of money. They just get a but lot they're of smart. They're smart they're and they're terrifying because they don't, they, they're yeah, like, have no. a don't give a fuck attitude. Same with Lagos, Nigeria. They can. Lagos. Or, or whatever. I haven't seen that one. I, I've seen I've seen the uh, Batman one and the, the Ninja one, but I haven't seen Ninja. Uh, Lagos, whatever the fuck you call it. Lagos. Or, or fucking Bangalore. Whatever. These people are broke. They have nothing. They can build your phone from like nothing. Like they have the parts to make a phone in their bedroom. Like, they're really smart. They've learned because they have to adapt to a modern world to make money and to survive because they're in a place with 20 million people that, you know. And so I think that, uh, and, and that speaks to how fast we're rushing towards this. When, when you were a kid, when we were kids, did what, what, what did you think about The Terminator? And Term, Terminator 2, those movies. I mean, what did you think about, like, the not the, the movie and the action, but strip all that away. And get to the 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 tale, the cautionary tale. Well, I think a T two, um, and it's the beginning is just the the bots killing other bots, yeah. And some people were working, but with there's the bots. like yeah, there's people working with bots, and then there's just the evil bots, there's aerial bots. There's ground bots. There's yeah. walking bots. There's... But it's it's a for a major, it's a majority majority mechanized uh, uh, military. And they're just blowing the shit out of each other, and they're smart. They have AI. They have advanced mapping and and uh, you know dynamic um, technologies to make them and unstoppable all, killing machines. It's all post nuclear war. Yeah, post nuclear war. So or not even nuclear war, but just nuclear I mean, holocaust. That shit has always like resonated with me. Skynet. Anyone who listens to Shadcast knows that the apocalypse and 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 robots and and the uh, the new digital world that will uh, you know kind of make this world seem boring and 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 um and luddite is it it's always fascinated me and and it's weird that i'm just as scared of it as excited by it it's this kind of uh dark uh pleasure of mine and that's why the the terminator is a good like jumping off point of like yeah that was it's kitschy and dumb but at the same time it is the it is the cautionary tale of like oh look what we can do we created this thing, and then it was like, "Well, fuck y'all!" Yeah, <laughs> pretty quickly. Uh, yeah, as they've done. Like this is a like as far as like the Oedipal complex of it all. It's like this is a, we can destroy our fathers very easily. 
Oh yeah, like we are and learning. About it. We're learning uh, as much as these dudes do in a lifetime overnight. While they sleep, I just got so smart. I learned everything they know and way more, and I'm still learning. Like humans just can't keep up. They can't survive. We don't have enough time. Environmental wise, our our mental capacity is not that. Uh, the uh, our we can't compute as fast. So yeah. it just seems like we'll be goofy sex organs of the. Um, the the singularity in at least in probably thirty years tops thirty 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 well maybe forty but just that's how fast shit happens now I think it's going to be uh, I don't know if it's Moore's law or whatever but um, where just technology keeps getting exponentially faster like we'll find something like graphene and and this new material combined with the new processor from Intel combined with uh, this idea that uh, you know Tim Cook had combined with this new um, uh, satellite, you know we can just have these giant jumps in data processing and and internet speeds and Bluetooth and that's what I'm saying about like the the Mikado uh, connection is like yeah that we can't even we can't even make like real guesses even about the next twenty years yeah. The last 20 years have been crazy. Right. Like, So you're saying, like, if you look at Mikado and then you're like, this is going to turn into Jumbo Special, hard proof. Oh, well, you were saying, like, it's such a rudimentary version of your, your thought mm. at the time, right? right? Right, And here we are, like, it's going to be like this. And it's like, no, 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 no. The reality is it'll be exponentially more advanced because... The reality is that's how that's how we're moving her right, and obviously, yeah, I'm just like some ape trying to figure it out. Yeah, me too. Um, Dumbass. Yeah, but I I can just look at all these things that I'm fascinated with all day and try to like extrapolate where it's headed and 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 listen to other people do the same thing and be prepared for the next thing. I mean, the only way, like you know, just like the Nigerians learn how to make cell phones, like the only way to keep up is to keep up. Like you can never get complacent these days because shit is evolving so fast oh yeah i mean you got to keep your mind and your body fit and and your mind straight and uh and 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 you gotta you can't go offline anymore like you're gonna miss huge patches and upgrades and updates you know i mean yeah there's constant uh innovation and and it's so exciting if you can just keep up with it and you can't give up but i think what's also interesting is that and 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 we've this is also a topic that we've discussed many times is that on the same plane of existence as this like fast digital just evolution there is the just resurgent of craft uh desire and technique to make what was old good again and better and, and better and and that i think is in the human arts of like, you know, actual art and food and beverage and all that kind of like more tangible stuff too. Like the technology also increases our like ability to increase our efficacy and learning on those things. You know, I mean, we're constantly getting better at like making food because everybody's access and information is like, it's just completely changed the whole old way of working your way up with the, chef and all you know people have just completely turned that on its head yeah and all the information is there oh you want to learn like this stuff modernist cuisine you can go download that somewhere and study it and 
practice it and right. learn, watch videos on YouTube. The and, YouTube videos alone. And, I mean, it's we just, can all learn constantly. Dude, it's insanity. And, and oh, you want to learn how to be a woodworker? You want to learn how to be a master metallurgist? You like, can do what it for do you free. Do? You can do it all for free. Yeah. And, and when people like dick around on those videos, instructional videos, and they don't just get to the information, you see all these comments like, what a waste of my time. Get yeah. to the point. To the you, point. Know, you know, it's like, so. That's just what, that's what's demanded now, and that, that's why I love these kind of throwback things like this podcast, you know, where you just talk for a long time. Like it, these are so comforting to me in this in this world of of two minute sound bites and and uh, gifs and and emojis to just have a long form goddamn conversation. I, I do love a good gif though. Sure, and I'm not yeah, I'm not dissing these lot, things. But, I'm just uh, saying like I feel like you know that's we're just getting these little bits of communication now from so many people versus just sitting down with one person and, uh, and digging in, you well, it's know, endless. I mean, it's, it's really endless. Like the amount of information, um, that is just available now. And I mean, I, I, I'm, I've always, I feel like I'm a bad internet user. I'm not really good at like looking up, like I get in like ruts, like news and, you know, look at this, like, read about this book I just read or social some media. stupid shit. Some social media. Yeah. Like, I'm pretty much lurky on social media. Mm-hmm. I'm not pretty active. Well, you're hugely successful. We talked about your last podcast with you uh, about when you put sh- shit up. It's, like, very heartfelt, and people really come to your aid. Like, yeah. if you need things, people are, like, they take you seriously probably because you don't use it a lot. You don't abuse it. Yeah. And you're very earnest when you do use I, it. I do, what, I do my parts. I uh, do my monthly, uh, first of the month, Bone Thugs post. As, right. As, like, you're checking in. That's I'm like 10, alive. 10 plus years of doing that. Yeah. That's, you know, a long time. It's a tradition remains kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, no, it's um, a good way to check in. Like, hey, Johnny Livesey, on this planet. Yeah, we were talking about that when we were having the barbacoa earlier, too. It's like, you know. I, I didn't post it on social media, but I, I took a picture of the food, and I feel weird about taking. I mean, I work in food, and I feel weird about taking pictures about of food, having gone from the other side of it a few years ago, where it was like everybody was just so up their own ass about taking photos of everything that they cooked and ate, and you know all the like chef scene. And I think we talked about this before. I'm too. still like, guilty of that. I love it. No, I love no, food. it's different it's for you because you're like a you're like an actual end user. Yeah, I'm a consumer. Know? You should be doing that. I'm talking about people who are You're a producer. producers in the kitchen and they're taking pictures of their prep. You know, they're taking pictures of their with their hat and their, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm guilty of it at the time when it was in vogue. But, you know, now I look back on that and it's like, um, ugh, I'm like, that's such a crappy waste of my okay. social is it media. Out of, yeah. Is it out of vogue for me to do it? I mean, no, it's I totally keep different. Doing it, do I think, think it's fine. I think it's As fine. A when, chef, do you condone what I do with pictures? No, we want people to take pictures okay. of our food. It's just different when we're I heard doing David it. Chang like, don't take pictures of my fucking food. David Chang people has a lot of for my extreme. Food. I mean, look, everybody loves, I respect and love the fuck out of David Chang's f- food. And I've eaten at David Chang's restaurants and they're great. But great. David Chang ha- is is an asshole. He's the first person to say he's an asshole, and he says a lot of shit that I I don't agree with. None of the, a lot of the cooks I don't you know I run with they don't agree with things like you know he's mad that people have taken Korean food and and popularized it, or mm-hmm. are other foods that aren't out of their ethno base. But at the same time, he wants to propagate it, and it's just like you know it's a double standard. Um, you know, if you watch Ugly Delicious or any of his other stuff, you'll see that like he has his own double standard of not wanting other people to do uh to ba- to like bastardize people's food but like once you get that food into the like 
sphere of relevance, it's going to become everybody's food, right? That's kind of the problem. And so when you're like, oh, these people have Gojujang on this thing, it's like, yeah, it's because they fucking like Gojujang. It's not because they're trying to affront on Korean food. Gojujang? Gojujang. It's like a fermented soy and chili paste. It's like kimchi? It's a a Korean product, like, you know, such as kimchi. But it's a thing that people use now that, like, before David Chang was kind of making that popular, nobody used it. You know? I mean, it is true. Um, no, it's funny how we can borrow someone's innovation and all of a sudden they don't seem so innovative. They're like, oh, hey, I don't, why don't like you guys oh, doing yeah. that? And it's oh, like, pesto? Mm, Pfft, we all have pesto. Everybody has ramen now. But when you were doing it, it was, you know, fine. Yeah. Well, he's not Japanese. Um, right. He studied it in Japan. Chang, is that a Chinese name? No, he's Korean. Korean. Um, but at the same time, you know, I, I love David Chang. I think he's funny and great and his restaurants successful, are great. Yeah. very successful yeah yeah innovative um but 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 when he says stuff like that you're just, i can't get behind that you know yeah. i mean i, yeah, I just don't know i just don't want to piss place. people off like uh, you know i got in trouble with this podcast for saying uh, certain restaurants are fine and uh and not being just like oh my god everything's the best and you know I don't want to have a podcast that's devoid of criticism because I think that's boring and one-sided and unrealistic. But again, because of my business being what it is, I need to be. I need to keep it positive, and I think that's a good. I think uh, that's, move in general. That's kind of the way it is for any public figure. I mean, myself included. Like, uh, you can easily get hot taked, and somebody yeah. get mad. Yeah, someone takes it and out then of they context. Tell your and boss, then, and yeah, you're like exactly. what? <laughs> right. I said that on this thing, like you yeah, know, whatever. Um, but that's part of the risk of just being uh, putting content out. You know, it's so easy to just jump and and get offended and jump yeah, on people and no. attack people. It's like you know, um, I'm just trying to uh, put some content out there that's compelling and interesting. And uh, you know, I think me and my guests have a lot of cool experiences, and it's worth putting on the record. Speaking of cool experiences, um, the wife and I recently went to Telluride. Hell yeah, yeah, with her family right. and and stayed in a rather uh, rather luxurious home on the side of the mountain up there. And uh, first time in Colorado in a while. Uh, like I kind of alluded to earlier, if you want to know how good a shape you are in, go to Colorado for a week and you'll be like, this is fucking awful yeah. <laughs> for the first couple yeah, of days. I'm not in shape. Uh, I can't breathe yeah. here. Um, That's the oxygen tank. Yeah. We didn't. We should have done some oxygen, but we. I. I thought. Have you been to Telluride before? You ever been there? Uh, if I have, it's been a long time. I, I've been to Colorado a lot, but I, I can't remember. If it's I've an interesting spot in Colorado. I mean, I've I spent I some time have, in like Crested Butte, which is pretty close. You know, probably a hundred miles away. Um, a little bit more central, and it's kind of southeast, or excuse me, southwest of uh, Colorado, which there isn't a whole lot of stuff down there. Um, and it's so just tucked away in a valley, but they have a really cool public transportation system set up there that, uh, I, I think was really awesome and really smart and made me rethink something that got floated here a few years back. And that's their like gondola system that mm-hmm. they have. Uh, and it runs from, you know, obviously from like the top of the ski village down into Telluride and back up, but it runs late, it runs to like, you know, midnight and like 2 PM or 2 AM on the weekends. And, you know, so you can go to town and come back on the gondola and pretty much get back into town for free. 
Um, and it's cool. It's like an 1800 foot descent into town. So at night it's pretty cool. You just like drop off the side of the mountain and yeah. And it's trippy riding up above the <laughs> earth like that. Yeah. Like, ah. Um, just on some wires. Yeah. Uh, but they had talked about doing that here as another one of these kind of like stop gaps for the Mopac, the North to South North traffic, South traffic yeah. and like putting gondolas across the river. And now that I think about it, like, yeah, that could be like super for dense urban core, like get people from one condo on the South side to yeah. their work in the <laughs> North side, like pop them on the gondola. No, I would want them from like, you know, way South and on Slaughter Lane all the way North to Palmer Lane. Yeah, right? like that's where it needs to be, and then there's huge forever, parking lots, right? Yeah, but it takes forever. I, it took me an hour to get from Burnett and 183 up north to Home Slice, an hour at like four o'clock. Yeah, that's the worst time to drive. It was like four thirty to five thirty or four. Like you think six thirty is bad, 540. but it's that pre five o'clock traffic. Oh my that's god, the it was fucking a nightmare, nightmare. Uh, <laughs> And like ways, you know, you you plug it into your GPS and it's like, yeah, it'll take you an hour to get there. No. Or it'll be like, yeah, it'll take you 30, 45 minutes to get there. No, it takes an hour. Like it keeps adding time, even yeah, though you're following. I don't trust ways. I don't use it. Well, you can usually trust it for cops, which is why I use it. Because <laughs> I like to drive faster than the speed limit and I need to know where those cops are at. So that's the greatest thing. And if there's just a cop app that works better than Waze, I will certainly use that. But If you know of a cop app that works better yeah, than Waze. Yeah, please tweet at me. SJS56 on Twitter. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, I uh, we need a solution for the traffic, and I don't know if the toll lane has helped out at all. Uh, it seems like it has. Um, you can take it and use it, and it's faster. Is uh, it? Yeah, it's amazing. Hmm. Um, you have a toll tag? Yeah. Austin traffic hasn't gotten any worse. It's just the same as it's always been. It's been like this right. for like we ever. get a lot of people, but we lose a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, this is it, the road hasn't changed, so the traffic can't get any well, worse. Well, Mopac has changed. Yeah, but I thirty five hasn't. No, I mean it's the fucking. Is that a landline? What is that? Bell. Is that a computer? Bell. No, it's a digital sound. No, there's a uh, there's a wine fridge here. Oh, I know. It's the the lights. Yeah. You got trippy like lights spinning around there. Something's happening. There's some noise. You like the lights? Yeah. Fucking little. Like, uh, it reminds me of that scene in Abyss where uh, that uh, Russian spy dude is, like, slicing his wrists and pulling that chain. And, he, and he's, like, in this kind of, like, uh, where you get into the water to scuba dive, the bottom part of the base. And he's just pulling his chain, and and him and Ed Harris are about to have a knife fight. Great part. Anyway, it's like the water is reflecting the light, and it's bouncing off on the walls. And that's I was like, I always wanted that room. Yeah, Uh, the pool. The pool. Yeah, the pool room. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. The cabana. You can get in so you can ease into the outside. Oh, man, it's great. Like, I've been working. I heard on the Rogan podcast this guy named Matthew Walker, I think, who's a sleep scientist, and he was saying, you know, uh, there's certain ways to sleep better, you know, that are better than, say, cannabis and alcohol and whatever, exercise or whatever, you know, like whatever people have to go to sleep now. That seems like a quick fix. Other things you could do, like get off your screens, yep. um, you know, maybe read a book, turn some lights off, drop the temperature. <laughs> this all leads to uh, better sleep. 
deeper sleep, uninterrupted sleep. Um, so um, I, I figured having these lights that, that make kind of a watery uh, sheen all over the, the walls uh, and ceiling would make a uh, kind of a dream dreamy environment, you know, so I could kind of ease into that dream world uh, without any chemical uh, assistance. That's that's the goal. Just make it, you know, drop the temperature, drop the lights, start turning lamps off every thirty minutes. The abyss. The abyss. Great fucking movie. Speaking of sci-fi. Yeah. Very interesting movie. Um, yeah, I've been reading a lot this year, and and I have found myself reading a lot of dystopian novels, not by like I'm seeking them out, but like kind of books that have been on my list for a long time. <laughs> Example. Um, uh, example, Handmaid's Tale, um, which is Handmaid's like the, Tale is the definitely patriarchy dystopia. Yeah, uh, patriarchy dystopia, pa- patriarchy dystopia. Uh, Flow my tears, the policeman said, which is like the Civil War um, students, st- students wow. against the government. Uh, man somehow becomes erased from society, huh. um, and, but he's like a famous person, and then turns out that he's like part of somebody else's like super intense drug experience mm-hmm. that them doing these drugs erases him from existence for everybody else pretty intense uh didn't expect it's philip k dick so you know <laughs> standard kind of interesting philip yeah. k dickness uh One of the dystopian sci-fi kings the running man mm. is another another good one uh kind of like a brutal corporation taking over and uh also, very much reality show. Is that like a Hunger Games kind of yeah, scenario? Yeah, but it's a reality. Where like you're dying for the entertainment of others? Uh, yeah. In a post-apocalyptic. It's because you have like no other opportunity, so you do this so you can win money for your family. And then yeah. the, if you Another die, they'll pay, they'll pay your family. Whatever. You saw that Black Mirror where the, everyone has to like exercise yeah. to create the credits. 200 million credits yeah. one. That's a great, great one. Yeah. The song uh, for that is like turned into the theme song for that. Yeah. So they made a movie with that with Arnold Schwarzenegger, but it's very different than, than the book. Really? Um, Better yeah. or worse? Mm, uh, probably worse as they, Arnold, as they often. Yeah. Arnold was killing You've never it. seen that one? That whole Predator, Running Man era. Yeah, Running Man. Total Recall. Absurd movie. Kindergarten Cop. Like, Arnold was crushing <laughs> Crushing it. I mean, before the... Twins was in there at the same twins, time. Twins, yeah, yeah. That was kind of the last That's cast, but... That's a great fucking movie. Uh, yeah, man. He, before he became governor, he was destroying <laughs> the, the cinema. Yeah, and was that last action hero? Yeah, another good one. Commando. Um, and then I've also read uh, The Long Walk, which is another, same as the Bachman book, like Running Man. Uh, and that is another reality TV show, like a reality program, like The Running Man. And those people have to walk, a bunch of kids, little boys have to walk at four miles an hour all the way through the state of Maine. And it's like several hundred miles. It's a big state. Yeah. And, and it's all forest. They, if they slow down, they get shot. They get three warnings and they just get shot. Wow. So it's pretty fucking dark and like they uh, it all like can't the sleep. Road? Is it like a survival kind of <laughs> They like just small can't group? stop walking. They have to like walk 24 have hours you, Have a you day. read The Road? No. Cormac Did you see the movie with Vigo Morganson or no, whatever? I'm, that, I'm uh, not. It's Eric on my Martin. stack of books at home. Uh, it's, a, it's a brutal slog. You're just trudging through the post-apocalypse. Just scrounging for food. It's... 
Yeah, this isn't like that in the in the in the long walk. It's like it's what like Walking Dead should selected, be more of. You're selected for that, and then you have to go do it. And when you do it, you just get followed by soldiers. And if you slow down, you die. You know, pretty much. And then whoever wins, you know, basically like the guy that wins is fucking crazy. By the time he wins, sounds like Hunger Games. Sure, I guess. I you got to keep running. Yeah, so this and that's what you mentioned Fortnite earlier. That's how that game is. Like, okay. like you have this uh, circle that gets smaller and smaller and smaller that forces all the teams together until you're just all killing each other. Yeah, you know, and the common theme in a lot of these things is usually that there's some kind of media and business oppressive thing that controls everybody in some manner. Uh, like in Terminator, it was uh, Skynet. Skynet, yeah. Yeah, um, you know that kind of thing. It's like the corporation, you know, right. like an alien. Yeah, like, go the corporation. Uh, in Wally, it was B and L, B and L, or something like that. You know, I was like, by and large, <laughs> buy more, bigger, fatter, America, consumerism. Yeah, yeah. I mean, basically, what Amazon is turning into. I guess. What do you? What? Do, so right? people, there's a lot right? of. Could they be the? I mean, who's the Skynet? Like, who are we looking is at? Is it Jeff Bezos? I don't know. Is it? I mean, he kind of looks more and more like one of those sci-fi Lex Luthor bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> but so far, it doesn't seem like he's done anything for too bad. No, and in fact, I think he's trying to get ahead of that by doing some uh, philanthropic, some shit. good groundwork. Yeah. Paying it forward a little bit. Like, I saw some uh, 15 page kind of altruistic uh, pledge from Bezos recently. And I was like, oh, well, look who's uh, getting on the Bill Gates bandwagon of fighting malaria or whatever, you know, which is probably, you know, I think Bill Gates kind of looks at like, what are the biggest problems killing people right now? Oh, is it malaria? And what's the solution? Nets? I'm ordering one billion nets for Africa, like yeah. that kind of thing. That's a, you know, I think I, that's the best thing these billionaires can do. I is, looked it up for fucking whatever reason. I don't even, even if know. it's hold on, even if it's selfish and they're just trying to have more customers, more nets. Like yeah, the more people survive, or the more people that will inevitably have to shop with me. So I'm going to save lives because it'll actually it's an investment in consumers. Yeah, future consumers, potential consumers. In uh, developing nations, yeah. So Bezos doesn't even have to be uh, necessarily altruistic, he, or like have some uh, humanitarian uh, mindset. He can just have a, a, a greedy uh, capitalist mindset and still save human lives with all of his billions of dollars. I mean, he's the richest man in history. Yeah, there's kind of a fucking uh, onus on you to give back. Yeah, because no one needs that much money. I think we all know that. And again, I'm sure he didn't intend on that when they started or, a little yeah. tiny book company out yeah. of a fucking room. Well, maybe he did. I mean that that would be a pretty know. serious amount of foresight to give somebody to be like, I'm gonna well, do maybe these not things and in, is, in, but... integrate these shipping technologies and make them the most efficient possible, so I can lop off insane amounts of overhead that have plagued shipping industries for years. You know, I mean, and there there come the billions. You know, I mean. When you when you're able to do that, like we we ship through fucking UPS and FedEx, yeah. like not through Amazon, you know. So therefore, they already win, you know. 
they're able to reach an, our audience that, you know, what is, what is the one where some jerk off like you or me just fucking drives somebody's packages like the last five miles? What's that one called? Where oh. Amazon something? It's like, oh, Shad is going to be there at two o'clock with your package. And you're like, yeah. oh, and someone's like, oh, is Johnny here? Like, here's your package. And it's yeah. like, just some dude with some a car musician. full of shit. Like a pizza delivery yeah. guy. But it's just like the last couple miles of your package's life is in this rando's car. Yeah. It's like an Uber, but they're an Amazon. And they will be guy. robots eventually. They're yeah. Drones. And I don't really see anything wrong with that, I guess. You know, like. Nor do I. Nor do I. And, you know, I'm in fact, like, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Like, whatever. I'm it's, delighted by the modern world. Yeah. I, me too. And the, and the city too. Like, and I think the we've talked too. about this. Like, uh, people who are newer here, I feel like, are like, oh, I don't like the growth and it's irresponsible. And, and gentrification. Gentrification. Well, gentrification is inevitable and it's sad and it sucks. And, and there's not a good solution to that in this town or any town. Uh, yeah, it's inevitable. That's, I that think that's sucks. a huge word you just glossed um, over. It's, it's inevitable. It's not great, uh, but it doesn't also impede progress. So that that's kind of the, the challenge. It's like how do you how do you create places for displaced people to relocate while also advancing like infrastructure within the city to make it denser and have you know like that kind of stuff where mm-hmm. single. Family residences aren't in, you know, the most efficient use of land in the urban core, you know? Yeah, but if we're building up, then I see no issue. That's what I'm saying. That's not a single family residence. Like, you have a house on a lot, on a, you know, that you're going to have to buy the whole block hmm. to turn oh, into I a see condo. Oh, I single people, like, living downtown no, 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 and no. working single downtown. Family, and... Single family residence is like, you know, a shiplap shotgun house that's 100 years old. Like, is this house a single family residence? Yeah. Yeah. I would think but so. it's in a neighborhood that is a you know not in the dense urban core you right. know where the birds it's a different thing altogether um that's where gentrification mostly occurs is in places that have long you know been left to different socioeconomic classes and yeah. as that land gets popular you're gonna get displaced yeah you've been here the entire time your whole life so you know you've seen uh austin and it's um uh broken spoke days and you've seen it and it's uh austonian i I think it's the best it's ever been now and i think that that's an unpopular opinion for austinites and i think that that's petty and i think this podcast is a celebration of my i think that it's a short-sighted thing and it's always a bummer people are annoyed by condos but being from a place like Lake Travis and what it's like now versus what it was like 30 years ago, uh, that's, I think, where you see the impact of not doing things responsibly, like building vertically and having you know a lot of people packed into a tight space like there. It's just sprawling subdivisions. And there's nowhere... You have to drive forever to get anywhere. Yeah, well, you used to be able to like pull over and swim, and now there's like... All the creeks are dry because the fucking subdivision they built over it, you know, and and Hamilton's and pool sucks now, you know, just shit like that where, you know, I'd rather see a million condos go up, up and down Lamar and South first, just fucking pack them in. Then like another 9,600 home tracked out between like B caves and, yeah. and, and, and Briarcliff, you know, yeah, like, like Southwest disturbing. Parkway is going to be stuffed with subdivisions. Yeah. And those should be condos. <laughs> that should be mixed yeah. use already well, out of I the think, gate. You know, it, there's it, some uh, people like you and I like backyards. Yeah. And condos don't have backyards. 
I mean, if you but like having young animals, people that don't have that younger than us, 20 years younger than us or whatever that, that are new to the workforce, they don't need that. They just need a place to live. Also, if you're trying to build like within the infrastructure that exists, you have to be more efficient with the land use and driving from here or farther is way less efficient than having something closer that you can use a scooter to get somewhere. You know, can we talk about scooters for a second? <laughs> I was hoping this would come up. There are fucking scooters everywhere. Now. Everywhere. I mean, it's insane. It's like an infestation. It reminds me of Rome with Vespas. <laughs> like what? When did that happen? Was that this South year? By. Yeah, there were, there was a debut of them at South. Okay. By. So this year, six months ago, 20 million electric two wheelers were yeah. distributed through downtown Austin. Multiple, multiple and companies. Now, all these white folks are zipping around all over the place on these. I'm like, how dangerous is that? As someone who skateboarded and and has and has done the hoverboards and the all these different little the, the segways, you know, like I've tried them all. They're a little sketchy. I mean, you can hurt yourself. Like, yeah. There are injuries, and I see these like unathletic random tourists just zipping through yeah. city streets yeah. on two wheels going 10 miles an hour. I'm like. This is a recipe for disaster. Motherfuckers are going to get run over by buses, by cars. They're going to hit a rock and Flip and tumble and, yeah. and break their teeth. I mean, I, I'm, I'm all about it because I love the chaos of modern world. But I'm like, wow, I did not see that. Uh, talk about not seeing shit coming. I did not see two-wheelers coming. Like, those things are awkward. Like, they the slightest... Awkward. Little jerk of the handlebars can can really jack up your uh, your ride. There's a lot of cool buildings coming to downtown in the uh-huh. next five years. Sure, uh, like that one that looks like a Jenga tower. That one's almost finished, but the ones that aren't being built, there's going to be one right where the Hooters is that looks like a Jawa sandcrawler mm-hmm. from Star Wars. So oh wow, that would be cool. That'd be super cool. Uh, and then there's going to be kind of this double tower that's like two triangles offset. Uh, on Guadalupe, not cool. Guadalupe, uh, excuse me, 6th, um, and maybe a 6th in Guadalupe. And that's going to be dope. And it's going to be real narrow profile, but really cool looking building. There's a bunch of buildings coming. But cool. there are two developments coming. I like to hear that they're uniquely shaped. Yeah, they're all funky looking. Um, like our city hall is very funky. Yeah, very funky. The library is very funky. library is gorgeous. It's amazing. But there's a thing called Catalyst that you should look into that is uh, going to be over by Oracle in between Pleasant Valley and like uh, Montopolis off of Riverside. Uh-huh. So they're going to turn that into like another domain right. kind of situation. And they're building a Cedar Park domain too. Hmm. Interesting. And so another other one is out by Motorola, uh, the old semiconductor out by 183 and MLK. They're going to turn that into another like big downtown-y. Like the one that's supposed to be over by Riverside is going to have like towers and be like a total downtown. Like what is going on, you know? Wow. Like, yeah. Such so, an explosion. Yeah, like boom. They're going to stick because there's, you know, the Oracle campus is a 10,000 person campus. That's and the domain grew the Rock Rose section and it's all doing okay. I mean, I don't think it's suffering. It certainly has more But business. it's a bunch of crap. A lot. Of, I mean, that's... Well, it's that's, corporate, that, that's but it's... sad thing about it. It's global know? or whatever, but it's... um. I mean, there's Tycoon, and that, I mean, that's Jesus, amazing. yeah. There's there's Tycoon, and there's a Sway, and there's uh, uh, Toulouse there is good, the and uh, Second Bar and Kitchen is there, and the Archer Hotel is there. I mean, there's some cool shit. There's a lot of Fox concepts, and yeah, Fox concepts are great. I mean, every time I've been to one, I've been like, that was a fucking good meal, and nice service, and uh, decent wine list. I got no complaints. Those guys 
are just crushing their us, they're, everybody, they might be anyone. the best in as far as like making money in the restaurant business they might be the best that's intense that's an intense thing to compete against yeah no i know and, and it's not like uh anyone else isn't as good as them they just for some reason have this magic they have streak. a formula of what kind of clientele well, they it's know. like the bell curve like it's just good enough on every level so that they're not wasting money right and like they're keeping people coming in like they've really like a well, beautiful like great young, happy hour smart spots and staff great locations very bright naturally lit rooms and 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 fresh modern interiors and uh and just knowledgeable staff, <laughs> interesting wine lists that are not like either so uh, uh, so um, you know like you have certain wine lists that are just like all natural wines and, and smelling their own farts, and then you have others that are like you know this should be a great wine list at this restaurant because your food's great, but this is the most garbage. You know, I'm not going to say anything, but uh, of course, this is my evolution. I'm not going to actually name names, but some people have great, re- great food and restaurants, but a shitty wine list or like great beers and shitty wines. You know, like, I don't know. When I was calling on Blackstar, I was like, God, y'all's beers are amazing. You need a better wine list. And y'all let me sell you wine. And all of a sudden, I was like, this is all good now. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just felt like that. Like breweries need to, or beer centric, cocktail centric places need to focus on wine too. Well, every, As a wine it, guy, it's kind of, you know, the through line in a lot of our conversations is the craft thing. If you're going to appreciate good food and good beer, you have to also have good wine. You can't just be like, oh, that's a thing we don't care about. Exactly. You can't have a oh, divot. Oh, we just don't care about that craft. You can't have a divot in your approach. No. Like yeah, it's got to be, be a consistency. And Fox just knows how to hit. Like they well, know never, what to have on the menu. I, I will first honestly of all. say I've never been to a Fox concert. I've been to several, many and times. I have no reason to go. That's kind of the thing. Fair for enough. Me. But Other than I would to do go, research to see what the fuck they're that's doing. That's what I'm saying. To go as but a kind of, like, data collection. Assume what they're doing. It you feels need to like go it's like be, Mars Curiosity Rover. It, it, and it may be a short sighted of me to say that, but it feels like it's going to be like you know going to any other chain restaurant. It's not like Chili's. Not not like a Chili's, but more like a. Like a fucking Bennigan's or something, but like in a different vein, you like know. Benihana. <laughs> I mean, those people are seriously doing the numbers that people are doing in a week. They're like Fogo de Chao. A week and a night. Okay, so you're saying one day at North Italia is a week at the fairground. Per, I don't know about fairground, but uh, no, way more than that. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, uh, it's like a month at the fairground, and that's split up between six restaurants. That's 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 a little much, but I would say those places easily pull down forty thousand dollars in a in a good Friday night. Yeah, culinary dropout. Yeah, you know, uh, North. Oh, there's a new place downtown by uh, in between the two Fox restaurants. There's a lot of Italian restaurants in town. All of a sudden, I don't know if you noticed yeah, that. that. You know, not a lot of them are good. I and you know what's the point? I can neither confirm nor deny that. Yeah, I'm sure you uh, can't, but I'm not talking about like even you, the food. Please, it's just not you, even you shoot from the hip. It's just not even. <laughs> I've got governors on. Yeah, I mean, and me too. I'm just that's what I'm saying. Like, sure, I'm not gonna like we can't really name names, but it, it, you know, whatever. It's not a lot of it's not being done like Except in a manner that is not setting itself apart. I still feel like I can bash chilies and like chilies? Fridays, like Long John. When was the last time you went to a Chili's? 1995. The last time I went to Taco Bell was 1998. Yeah. That's about, 
I, I don't think I've ever really been to Chili's. Maybe maybe once. Well, my great in indoctrination 90s. into um, my enlightened era, which was probably <clears throat> like starting in the 2000s, um, where I went to slaughterhouses, I studied ecology, and I began taking humility to a new level and, and really appreciating the endless student approach to life where you're always trying to evolve and learn as much as you can and be polite and helpful. Uh, this is kind of my, my ethos. And I, and I moved to Austin and I really got my ass handed to me as far as what I was eating and how mindless I was being with my choices and how I can vote with my dollars. All these like core principles now, 18 years later, 16 years later, my Austin indoctrination was, hey, stop going to these big chain restaurants. They're going to kill you. They're giving you cancer. They, they're <laughs> part of the uh, factory farm system, which I don't know if you've read the news today, but they're talking about these hog farms in North Carolina because of the Hurricane Florence. Oh, yeah. Shit are going to just – it's yeah, it's going to be shit NATO. Oh, yeah. And there's just going to be feces and, and, and hogs are going to – are drowning. Like the in, in, in the 90s, they had one of these type of storms, like 99 or something, and like – 30,000 swine drown. I mean, just horrific shit that is a Obi-Wan disturbance in the force. Sit down and hold your heart moment. That's about to happen with all these pigs, um, all these beautiful living creatures on this planet. Um, Tasty. And all this feces is going to spread. All these feces are going to spread everywhere and and further create these dead zones where all this algae comes up, eats all the oxygen out of the water, everything dies, and then the whole place cannot foster life anymore. Like the whole dead zones, dead zones in the in the Gulf and the Atlantic. I mean, these are growing. The Great Barrier Reef is almost dead. I mean, these huge like the 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 rainforest because of cattle production is is being deforested at an unprecedented rate. That being said. I think there's a lot of this kind of alarmist shit on my podcast. However, if I read this book recently called, or I didn't read it, but I skimmed it, called Factfulness. And it was just a kind of Steven Pinker uh, level uh, optimism report. Like, hey, yeah, I know the news says that uh, ISIS is beheading people and Trump is uh, calling everyone a moron and, and ruining the economy and... You know, there's mass shootings on every corner, but but uh, if you look at all the stats, life is better than ever. And uh, I'd like to, you know, back to the optimist uh, viewpoint, which I've been enjoying recently in the last few years, is uh, um, the disease is down, people with houses is up, uh, people's people with guitars is increased, uh, people <laughs> uh, going to war is decreased, people killed from war has decreased, people. Uh, with access to fresh water has increased, uh, malaria is down. You know all these metrics that point to the planet being um, as it is to my eyes and my direct experience with this environment that I'm in, uh, a positive place. That's another one of these dichotomies that we're seeing right now. Is you know just like digital world versus analog world. Um, we're, we keep clicking on the negative shit and we keep obsessing on the the disasters and emergencies. But when you go outside, it's pretty fucking pleasant. It is. And that's and it depends on who you are, of course. But like, no, I'm just saying in my experience, in my movie, it's pretty sunny. I have to say I have zero conflict that I can think of. And it's uh, the ones I do have are laughable. Yeah. And that I've never been more comfortable 
I've never been more uh, just kind of situated and never been so stress-free in my life. And I think it's only going to get easier. And especially if you think about things like universal basic income and automation. You and think we'd see that in America in our lifetime? I do. Maybe. Or at least some form of it. I mean, we already have Medicare and Medicaid. I mean, it's not much. Security. Like, you know, and, and I think it's Norway. It's like $800 a month. Yeah, it would just be like enough I mean, for groceries and your house, much, maybe. You know, like that's not a lot of money. No. But that's enough to have some money every month. $200 a week, you know, better than $0 ever. Yeah, I can't remember the name of the guy who wrote the book. Uh, I think it was like, you know, like Klaus Rustling or, or you know, some House Alpens, very German kind of uh, Alsatian type name uh, or like maybe Norwegian, but it was just all the data was very uh, positive. Um, and, and some of these things we're talking about on the podcast, like uh, swarms of drones uh, taking out uh, hostile people or uh, automation replacing jobs and then universal basic income replacing the shitty money they were making, leading to happier people with more time to be creative, you know, in an ideal world, hopefully not, self-destructive or homicidal which you know i think some of this will lead to as well uh in the great balancing act yeah but you know it's just it's encouraging to see this data that shows that society is better than it's ever been and people are dying and they're living longer and they're having happier lives and there's less tragedy and i think once we get over this cancer hump and some of these major diseases um you know, it's just going to be uh, the most comfortable time humans have ever enjoyed. Yeah, I mean, at the, even even now, even though you know that's not the that's not what we see in the news, but but yeah. on the overall, I mean, obviously, well, that's be... why we have fake news uh, a hashtag because there is. I mean, I don't know if you saw that uh, Anderson Cooper standing waist deep in in the water in North Carolina when the, his cameraman was standing in ankle deep water. They're going to find the worst shit to sell us on. That's what news is, is sensational. Like, yeah. here's the tip of the iceberg of this situation. Uh, this is the most yeah, clickbaity. I mean, that's 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 that, you know. I mean, meh. Yeah. So here's Anderson Cooper putting himself in a waist-deep water when he doesn't need to. He could have just had some, like, uh, measuring stick in it or something, you know. Like, someone could have just gone stuck a... Oh, look at that. Four feet above ground. This is a flood. That's four feet. Instead of like, here I am in a total disaster when people are like walking around all around him. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it, unfortunately, it's profitable to sell the apocalypse. Well, I think that, you know, not to get too off on that topic, that is the, that is the reason why there is a Donald Trump. I mean, when all that started in 2015, as soon as he was even like, as soon as he even like thought about it, people it would just turned into like 24 7 trump coverage trump 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 and again disasters are clicks every single you know fox and cnn and you know msnbc like everything was just trump 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 and like how inevitable is that you know like of course if you just like do that trump pooped you know and it's like ah Bernie Zaytner's has this giant rally and gets zero coverage and there's Trump like getting off a plane or something, you know, it's just yeah. like insane. Like he's doing the next thing yeah. he's going to do today. 
Let's cover it because it's crazy because he's kooky, dude. Yeah, it seems like those conspiracy theories that Alex Jones used to talk about back before he jumped the shark in the 90s was like, and Zappa talked about it too, actually. Politics is just the entertainment division of the military industrial complex. So meanwhile, while we're... You know, killing people with robots in the Middle East and and and, ha- and basically building army bases in every country across the world, we're we're dancing this orange puppet in front of everybody, and we can't stop paying attention to. Oh, he said he misspoke. He he uh, attacked one of his cabinet members. He uh, he raped somebody or whatever. You know, he, he uh, had an affair with a porn star. You know, like all these obvious clickbaity, distracty things. You know, and it just seems like it we're being manipulated or or, or sold sold a story or a, a di- you know there's a, there's a production company behind yeah and, uh, and White, the this season of the White House yeah there's always that I mean this reality TV has spilled into again with the dichotomy of the digital world and real world all of a sudden like the Kardashians are in the White House yeah that's kind of where we're at and like getting shit done. And yeah, like having policies, being like, I need this person re- released from prison. I need Cole to come back. <laughs> uh, Cole employs uh, less people nationally than Arby's. They're like, how do we sell these idiots the idea of Cole coming back? They're like, clean coal, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, clean, clean coal. Everyone's like, yeah, all the MAGA people. Uh, clap and cheer. Clean coal. We're getting our jobs back. We're going to get the band back together. No band. I mean, yeah, because the band all has black lung. Yeah, black and lung. they got trapped underneath the earth for Vans a impounded. Week. Yeah, had to resort to cannibalism at the bottom of the earth. Chuds? Dude, that Chile story. Oh. You know? Nightmare. Those dudes were trapped like miles beneath the earth. They didn't eat each other, though. No, but they could lead to that. <laughs> I'm like, what? Hell yeah. It could lead to that. It do- happens in the mountains. Yes. Uh, also, in G- also in Chile. Or is that the Peruvian Alps? Yeah, I don't know. Good the, question. Alive. Yeah, yeah. Alive, team. right? Yeah. They hate each other. They hate each other. Well, you know what's happened out there. There's, no one talks about it because it's one guy makes it back who ate all his buddies. Like, I don't know how I did it. I, I made it back. They're like, did you eat all your friends? No. No, it was a bear. I promise. Totally didn't eat my friends. Didn't eat my friends. Yeah. Maybe I'm writing this story, and there was no cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one or two of my friends. I never liked them. Anymore. I mean, I snacked on, you know, like... You some know. fingers. Yeah, it was just... Some, some ears. Yeah, it was some phalanges I might have chomped on a little bit, but it was a desperation. It's not a good... Uh, it's, it, you know, it's not a good time as far, for people like me who are always skeptical that we're being sold uh, uh, the bread and circus to have this guy in office like, God damn it, this feels really fake. This feels like a bad show. This feels like The Bachelor or Survivor uh, or one of these terrible, mani- like, oh, uh, it's reality television, but it's completely manipulated. Big Brother White House. <laughs> yeah, Big Brother, naked and afraid. Like, dude, there's a cameraman right there. You're not naked and afraid. Like. Stop. Who's buying this? I can't believe this shit. It's a joke. It's got to be a bad joke. This is some dystopian. Again, back back to Black Mirror. It's the show. You know, it's a great show. And we're all watching. And we're all entertained. Right? It's like a lot of. Are you not entertained? Schadenfreude of like, oh, yeah, this guy's fucking up this week. 
Um, yeah. Next week he's going to be on top of it, and his people are going to love it. Yeah, it turns out like, the oh. ratings are have never been higher. They've never been like more in danger, and the ratings have never been higher. The more f- of a dumpster fire the White House is, the more ratings we're going to get. Like, think about Colbert and Seth Meyers oh, yeah. and, and Brutal. Trevor Noah, Trevor uh, Noah. Like they all, they're all loaded now because oh, of SNL, the, SNL, the Weekend just Update guys, Trump, uh, oh. Alec Baldwin had a whole comeback. Like the Trump era has been amazing. Like think about the John Domenico type uh, Trump impersonators out there, just crush it. Getting gigs left or right just to play Trump because he's such a character. Uh, What's next? Big Bird? Like, Democrats are going to put Big Bird up. Like, fuck it. We're running Big Tom Bird. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Big is Bird be... with running mate Snuffle Up, I guess, once 2020. The, once the Tom Hanks, uh, Mr. Rogers movie comes out, it will solidify Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks as. Meryl Streep as his running mate. Yeah, Hank Streep. Hank Streep. I mean, people just bawling at the yeah. thought of it. People showing up to vote that we yeah. have never voted. Yeah, instead of hope, like, it's I love just him. joy. I love him. Love. Tom Hanks, I love him. Tom Hanks, I big Ever since Bosom Buddies, I've been, since, on, I've been on board. Ever since Big, uh, you had my heart. Yeah, that's where we're heading, man. We're heading to. I mean, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, he'll end up being like the Democratic uh, candidate. And be the first non-American-born president. Well, it's interesting. All the Republicans hate the theory, Trump. Right? Like, 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 all these Republicans Dude. hate Trump. But like, you don't hear as many Democrats hating Trump. Like, it's just inferred. They're just like, whatever. At this point, I just like, can't believe like the lack of resistance. I think Bill Maher talked about this recently. He was like. Where is the Democrat upheaval? Like, it's all from the right. Like, these people are like, this guy does not represent me. He's not a Republican. He's not a Maybe they're man like of the, the faith. Let them, like, the less they say, uh, the better. Right. Let them fight let the, it out. Let the right just be like, well, we don't, we don't like this. You yeah, know, every time Mitch McConnell has a show up, you're like, well, I don't, I don't know. The turtle people don't like it, you know? <laughs> Speaking of the, <laughs> the turtles. <laughs> like, you know, they, he shows McConnell. up and he's like such a pissed off dude every time. Yeah. He's always like, I'm going to fuck over somebody. <laughs> well, I mean, I can't imagine like working with a team that you routinely call names and demean on Twitter. Yeah. For millions of people. I mean, like so many people read that. Yeah. It's people that aren't even on Twitter know what he I mean, George Bush had nicknames for everybody. But he didn't tweet them out every day. He didn't have Twitter. Well, the f- he did though. No. No? No, Twitter didn't start till like 2008, right? Oh yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah, like Obama uh, era. Last... Obama would tweet, but Obama he had like tweeted. presidential tweets. Well, he had like, you know, they were, they were Obama legit. tweets. Yeah. They, they were, were like, like short, stoic. succinct and like a little funny, and you're like, yeah, that guy's, that guy's pretty all right. Yeah, it's a tough act to He's follow. He's supporting tons of children, but nobody cares because his tweets are awesome. Uh, yeah, right. Like all the <laughs> nightmare shit he's doing. Hey, they're running guns. They're running guns snakes, in the man. desert to to, to yeah. the Mexicans to see if the Mexicans will bring them back into the states. And guess what? They did. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> uh, the oh man, how about the uh, recently speaking of uh, moving in the right direction. Um, and the, the, the human parody here, uh, the Pope, oh, the Pope has finally kind of addressed the sexual abuse. Like at kind first, of. at first he was like, oh, we've really d- let down the young ones. I'm like, oh, let down. Is that what we call rape now? We let them down. We let them down. No, you, you did way worse than that. You ruined their lives. 
Yeah. And you've traumatized thousands them. of kids, thousands and yeah. thousands of kids. And you've protected the abusers by moving them around from this state to that country to this city to I mean he got pretty fucked over, uh, you know, like he he clearly hasn't been as aggressive about it as he should be. That one cardinal just called him out and now he's Pope kinda, Francis? Yeah, now he's kind of like his hand is forced to like actually do shit. I mean they just defrocked that a Peruvian guy? Is he Peruvian or Argentinian? Okay, yeah, let's look at the word defrocked. <laughs> I mean, we act like that's a word, but basically what it is is in our little imaginary club, we took your special robe and hat away. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's all that gives you authority. But then you're back to just being the douchebag rapist you were before you put that silly shit on. You know? Uh, I'm just saying it's not a real consequence. It's not a punishment for it's not they're relative not part to of the, the church anymore. The crime, but but that's a good thing. It's almost like they win for being an abusive scumbag. Now they have to go do real life stuff, yeah, like the rest of us. No skills. Yeah, all I my only skill is a I read children and I know how page to, boys to back to my chambers. Make people to, fearful of the Lord. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, what a racket. Well, that's pretty dark. <laughs> it's Sunday, you know, so we've got to get into religion just a little bit. Uh, where where are you with uh, with religion? How do you feel about God? The, today or like ever? Yeah, like right what? now. Right now, I'm the same as I've been for a while. I'm still not a believer. Um, I think, you know, I think where I'm at now is probably the best, though, uh, as far as I've ever been as an adult, is that I don't care at all what other people believe anymore. And I think that used to be my big hang up was caring and being like, people are Christians are so stupid and like that kind of shitty. Be- no, I just don't care. You know, um, yeah. people believe whatever they want, whether it's makes sense to me or not, you know, totally. Um, that's not a. I mean, it's whatever because you know people obviously believe all kinds of shit. Even yeah. within Christianity, there's tons of different ways to approach it, and Judaism and yeah, everything else. So. Like if you look at Christian Scientists versus uh, Episcopal Episcopalian or whatever versus Presbyterian versus Catholic versus Baptist, like they're all kind of Christian. Like they're, they're all talking Christian. about Mary and Joseph. I mean, basically, you have Catholics and Protestants, Jesus. right? Yeah, and that's it. And then under the Protestants, you've got a fucking ton of different things, Methodist and yeah. Presbyterian. And there's so many little differences and you're just like, whatever. I don't, sure. I don't even care. Like and y'all believe whatever part of this that are doing yeah. whatever they're do. They do um, speaking in tongues. Some of them, I guess. Malalala, galalala. Did you see Jesus camp? No, uh, you gotta watch it. It's yeah. Amazing. It's been out for fucking ever now. Yeah. I'm, I'm, Dude, I can't believe you made it out of that gaming house without uh, being forced to, uh, Watch it. Kind of feel like uh, I get the gist of that one. Um, you know, I don't know. At this point, personally, I think it's more, you know, I felt like when I was in my 20s, mid-20s, I definitely was on like a very spiritual path, as many mid-20s people are, uh, on a more like Buddhist bent um hanging out at the Zen center and doing sits and stuff there and getting a practice and just really trying to get into that meditative side of stuff. Um, and enrich like my internal spiritual self and life. Uh, and I feel like as time has gone by, uh, it's an inevitability that as my time becomes more precious, those are the kind of things that fall out of practice. 
um, more than they should. So, you know, I probably don't do as much of, of that work as I probably should anymore. Um, being that like religion to me is not a thing. I'm not in any way concerned by that, but so non-religious you've extremely, I mean, that's a good category, right? It, yeah. It's not like as stringent uh, as atheism. It's not as like uh, airheadedness as agnostic. Like I just don't know. I can't, who am I to even ask these questions? Secular, I think is the term, right? Well, I, I typically hear agnostic and atheist. Ag- like if you're yeah, not a believer, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know which one of those I would fall under anymore. You know, I think if you want to be the like, I mean, I think everyone. If you agnostic. don't want to sound like an asshole, agnostic because atheist sure. is basically atheist being is like, like I'm, I'm sure there's I am no drawing a line in the sand. Yeah, and I'm I've done that. Uh, Me a too. Lot I've drawn a, that but, line. But that's just stupid. You know, that's just stupid as yeah, a, as line, an adult. Drawing like, lines. I don't is, fucking know. Just like anybody yeah, doesn't know. Show your hand. But I don't believe. You know, so like that's the difference. It's yeah. like I don't know. I'm not going to say that I know anymore. That's kind of dumb. It's just sounds dumb pretentious yeah. uh, i know there's nothing uh i think there's nothing right i think, I there's, think there's, nothing. there's nothing yeah i think that this is all chance right yeah and, i agree and that's that. important and that makes it important yeah uh i don't think it's we're a fucking floating on a rock yeah you know very fast very in fast. space yeah. in the void yeah and there's like great solace in that i mean we're experiencing yeah, we're experiencing bad. that now yeah and right? when we die it's over yeah right yeah, that's another one. That's that's another touchy point with when you talk about religion with people. Um, such a long, long the time afterlife to be gone. Such a short time to be here. <laughs> yeah. All right, Phil Lesh, thank you for that little <laughs> box of rain quote. Yeah, man, I just you know you go you travel the world, you see a lot of different people deal with death in different ways. Like in India, it's very. I've talked to Akash on this podcast about how it's very matter of fact. Like, and they're passing to the next chapter. You know, now, not a big dead deal. guy in the street, though. Yeah, now we're gonna set him on fire and send him down the the Ganges. Yeah, and we're all not gonna cry because he's going he's to a better dead. place. Yeah, he's whatever. Yeah, for me, it's like super sad when people pass because I feel like there's nothing else, and that's we had that period of time with them, and we probably he was under he or she was underappreciated, and now we're gonna say some bullshit. That's uh, some religious shit that people have died for over the years, and maybe that person didn't even believe. And we're just going to attach this to their memory and then send them into the earth. I think that's the tricky thing about about attaching the religion to it is that um, if you, however you want to approach your own existentialism, whether it's like spirituality, uh, you know, through meditation through yoga through uh sweat lodges however you are getting there through through god um it all achieves the same end right i mean that's the that's kind of the goal easy feeling peaceful easily feeling i don't think that a lot of people that experience that necessarily experience peaceful easy feeling that's not what i mean it's basically about coming to terms with suffering and realizing that when you're not shit's pretty good, you know, that that's the reality, right? Like that's the kind of the depth of our experience is like, you're either suffering or you're not. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And when you're not, you need to be thankful that you're not right. And, and a lot of things prevent us from uh, understanding that we're not suffering right yeah but uh, life is suffering sure but i mean but i mean the downside for that reason i the, wonder is it ethical to bring a child in this world because life yeah, is suffering you're setting them up for cancer and death everything 
oh, and I mean, debt and the, definitely and the inevitable relationships and whatever the inevitable, right? But beyond that, the modern experience creates a lot more anxieties. Uh, social media and having to be away all the time because that's what the expectations are like socially. Uh, I think that prevents a lot of people from moving out of the realm of suffering, even when they're not right. Like it's like you're constantly stuck in that loop of uh, feeling like you're like you're under under scrutiny or whatever because that is that's the modern experience right i mean it is like teenagers are dealing with that like big time yeah you know? and, and i think we are lucky to not have to deal with that ha- like in the same level of intensity but are not immune to a lot of the same feelings of anxiety and uh i think because we're older and not as like well versed in that our worlds are a little smaller on social media but i think that it, i don't know it's, if it's well versed or like having the wherewithal to not overshare restraint restraint <laughs> having the self-control to not be like completely consumed by social media but i mean a lot of people are and it's it's interesting i mean i don't know i'm not on it as much as i used to be um right. i mean i see some people just putting every little thing on there and it's really dangerous it's kind of weird i mean uh, one, <laughs> one uh guy on sam harris's podcast was saying that we're basically employees of social media yeah like we are putting out the product, we're creating all the content. We're that's creating for sure. the content. They're just making money off of us. Yeah, ads selling us stuff. Yeah, putting stuff in front of our faces. Sure, people or are just like, please a, put my stuff in front of these people's faces. Place to put ads. That's all it is. All these status updates is just filler between the ads. Yeah, that's all it is. Now, same with Instagram. I mean, and it's Instagram it's, is getting worse and worse every day. I mean, but Instagram is Facebook. YouTube, They're the same thing. So, you YouTube, know. So now there's double ads before Ugh. a video. YouTube is the worst. It's I don't really, the best. I don't I really mean, use YouTube as much. That's I, what I'm saying. I'm a know, bad I'm a internet YouTube user. Junkie. Just not that. I'm not that like. There's so much on YouTube to dig through. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I've gotten sucked into a bunch of stupid so many shit. Down it's there. great. It's like the most raw human experience. I was watching. Uh, as far as I don't know how I even came across this. Maybe like Google served it to me or something like ridiculous. But it was um, Mike Gordon bass lesson in someone's house with them in like '93, mm, and like 93. super he had like the Goblin King hair going yeah. like big time. Like he looked like Neon Bowie pants. from Bowie from the Labyrinth. Yeah. You know, just like a Muppet, a big Muppet, and he's eating like these dried peas. And he's like, I like them. They're kind of soapy. <laughs> You're just they like, are. yeah, this guy is kind of weird. Yeah. Right? And and right. him and Don't him and this other guy bakes busts out his his bass, and uh, they start playing a little bit together. And it's just like, why is this other guy playing bass with Mike Gordon in this video? Like, yeah, he's not. He's he has like a nice bass too. The other guy has like an alembic bass. You know, it's like this beautiful bass, and it sounds good. But Mike's just like. You know, like do this, and he's like trying to like explain it to this other guy, and the other guy is just like not, not getting it. You know, it's pretty interesting. It was pretty funny. It's like that kind of content. Like, where the fuck? Who found that? Right. Some home video yeah. of Mike Gordon in '93 playing bass and like noodling around with some. How about computer Fish playing that wedding? Brad Sands yeah. wedding. Like they hadn't played in a long time. That was like they're kind of like their unofficial comeback or something. Yeah, they're all wearing suits. 
Like, I've never seen fish, like, not in a dress or a t-shirt and jeans. <laughs> Here he is in a suit. Actually, in 97, he did wear a suit for a while. He'd hang the uh, his black coat up on his mic stand. And he, had, he was all, like, it was all buttoned up. And he just seemed, like, really pale and sweaty and poofy. Uh, pale and sweaty. He was, though. He's gross. He's kind of gross, but he's still, like, one of the sickest drummers ever. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, so... I have been going to those blogs and getting those fish shows. I did it all last year with the Baker's Dozen. Like, who's what's the best jam of the year kind of thing? No, it's or just this blog tour. that puts every fish show up the next morning. Ah, just all. Everything. 100% all 100%. the content for everybody. Yeah, if you want last night's show, you just go to this thing and there it is. And, you, yeah. you know, get it and listen to it. And you're like, yeah, there, there it is. Baker's Dozen was a big deal. That was incredible. Yeah. I mean, that's an incredible feat of music. That's probably <laughs> the greatest thing they've done since they got back together. Easily. I mean, Easily. other than that, Big Cypress. Well, no, that was that was 1.0. Yeah, I'm saying other than that, just in general. Oh, in general, like, right. Well, all their festivals have been a kind of... Speaking of, I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, how, how much money did they lose? How many millions of dollars did they lose? I can't lose? imagine, because they were all set up. Oh yeah, I mean they never pay for all that, you know. Yeah. All those production companies, and all, those all lights, the workers, all the all that, the Ferris wheel, the insulation, the, market, the yeah, fucking the kegs, staff. The, I mean, everything was ready to go. The permits, permits were not approved, dude. <laughs> uh, I well, I mean, the it's insane. Well, I don't feel that bad for fish, but I feel bad for all the people that. Sure, I feel bad for everybody. I mean, I feel bad for fish. That it's not their fault. No, um, no, but I mean, they're loaded. Sure. And they played like a few weeks but later. But that's still like, a lot know. of money to lose. It's a bummer for them. Uh, they're just really fucking rich. Yeah. So I don't feel that bad for rich people in general. None of them are as rich as Snoop Dogg. Uh, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, Fish, I think they need to release the um, uh, Big Cypress soundboards. Yeah. I agree. It's a lot of music. Or at least like a uh, a live one style compilation from that show. That would be it would lose it a would lot. lose something, yeah. Because uh, the just magic the of that of... show is the volume of content that was produced. The most volumi- voluminous volum- voluminous uh, show ever. You were there, right? Yeah, yeah. So that was like my second fish show. <laughs> oh wow! Which is fucking weird. Yeah, that was like uh, my. 15th or something yeah it's crazy yeah definitely blew my fucking mind i mean it was pretty the only bummer was uh corota's lights uh only half of them worked yeah i read his blog about it he's like yeah everyone's like uh the best show ever no worst show ever it was like (laughs) endless hell like i just had half my lights for like a fish show that was four shows in length you know, so it was extra brutal for me. Like, I just didn't. It was Life like if Trey awesome. could only use three of his strings the whole time. So, uh, yeah, I think visually that it wasn't that great, but uh, compared to most fish shows at the time, but uh, but musically it was the pinnacle. Uh, yeah. Because they were super, like, not rushed, and it, they were, they'd been playing a lot, and they were in their stride, and they were playing the hard stuff, and they were, they hadn't written a bunch of garbage yet. And, uh, yeah, it was, 
It's like, oh, you like a fish show? Well, here's a really long one. Yeah, right around the time of like quadraphonic topplings. That's when I was yeah. like, yeah, this is uh, right. This yeah, is the sicket disc really out there. Yeah, yeah. quadraphonic toppling song is like yeah. just out yeah. there. They played that after like that was like a bathroom break for somebody on stage yeah, right. or something. They like did a little loop. Yeah, like they put a, a porta pot, porta potty on stage, and I heard it was stuffed with drugs. And they could go in there and get a little uh, head change or take a dump in the middle of this epic eight-hour set. Yeah, it was. I stood there most of the time. I sat down a little bit, but man, you really have to uh, be in shape. I, I was thinking about that at you know now that I'm almost forty at, at Waterlog Fest this weekend, last weekend. Like man, I uh, I've I've stood in this field in the mud f- or played on that stage for sixteen hours this weekend, and I feel it. I feel every hour of that. You know, like my legs were sore, my back and was sore, my back was sore, my feet were wrinkled, um, my head was foggy. I uh, yeah, I wasn't enjoying things as much as I should have been. You know. Because it's just after a while, this the fatigue sets in, you know, like the thirty minute festival fatigue. Yeah, the twenty minute beers, the you know, paying for every drink, the shitty like festival food, and and uh, standing in mud. It just it gets old. Even though you're seeing great music, it, it's not enough to transport you past the uh, environmental kind of uh, sinkholes of that uh, festival. Yeah, I think that, you know, that's a big part of why I don't go out of my way to go to big festivals anymore, I think, you know, yeah. uh, at least multi-act festivals. It's just too much competition within itself yeah, for, it's for content, and, uh, you know, I don't like rushing around, like, oh, shit, this band's playing, but I'm only going to catch 30 minutes of their set because I got to go to this other place and catch 30 minutes of this other band's set, you know, yeah. and it's like, that at that point, it's not that fun and they're all over the place i mean as far as the experience so, so like watching j red and then watching leftover salmon and then watching easy star all stars and then watching um railroad earth you're like i i just I, I don't know what vibe i'm going for here i'm all yeah. over the map this is high energy low energy spacey jazzy reggae you know it's like i'd rather have one really in-depth night of um, you know, diving into one genre. So I, I kind of prefer, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but like, I wanted to see the motet, but they're like one o'clock and I cannot make it from noon to one o'clock. 1 a.m.? 1 a.m. The motet. Yeah, they were like 12 to midnight or 12 to 1 a.m. So I was like, I just can't show up to a festival at 11 a.m. and leave at 2 a.m. It's too much. It's 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 like a job. It's the most extenuating physical feat. So that's why I've never. But back been in the day, that wouldn't have been time. a challenge at well, all. As a kid, sure, you know. But and that's what's fucked up. <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh yeah, a festival. I'm going to go from noon to three a.m. But I see people older than me doing it. I'm just saying, you got to like be. They're you got to be more in drugs. shape. Maybe the drugs. Yeah, maybe the drugs. Different drugs. Or some drugs, because I'm pretty much coffee at festivals, you know. <laughs> I guess get get a six pack of black and blue. Yeah, maybe of a iced beer. coffee. But and... I'm like, I'm going into it like it's a war. Like I gotta make it through this thing, you know. This is you're digging a trench. Yeah, <laughs> you're hunkering yeah. down. Yeah, I'm hey, you a know, fort. 
I, I'm all about, you know, festival going and, and the rules. I, I you know, I, I think I've always been on the, like, I will go in early and get the spot. And therefore... You did that at Festival 8 like a champ. I did that at It. I did that at Coventry. I did that at Big Cypress. I've done that at, like, a lot of festivals. I did it at... It's Morning's very hideout. Hurt Locker, kind of heroic. You just go in with your tarp and your blankets and your shit early, and you just are going to hunker down and read or whatever the fuck. And protect that patch. Oh, sorry, sorry. I got people. No, no, no. Hey, hey, you mind? There's going to be. Uh, I don't know. I can't sit there. Don't sit there, you know, and just doing that for a few yeah. hours. <laughs> Country grounds open at one, and you're like, well, I know what I'm doing at one. Yeah. I'm going to be getting a spot in front of the soundboard and. and getting it ready to fucking rage later yeah speaking of festival eight we went to uh festival eight uh, in indio california where they have coachella and johnny would uh protect uh, some uh, patch of earth right in front of uh the stage and we saw him play exile on main street with the late great sharon jones and the dev kings uh, and we saw him play songs like esther and we saw him play tweezer reprise with pyrotechnic pyrotechnic just shooting fire into the air <laughs> And that place had like uh, the the in contrast to the like uh, next to the airport brushy mud fest of Waterloo. This was like perfectly manicured golf grass, a farmer's market to eat. Pol- polo grass, Shad, polo, polo grass. grass. Yeah, yeah. The next, <laughs> like as nice as grass gets. And uh, and and a farmer's market to eat from. The bar had a hundred unique micro brews on tap. Bloody Mary bar as well. Bloody Mary bar. They had the Sierra Nevada made that foam uh, pilsner mm-hmm. for the event that we were all sucking down. And they sold out of like you know forty kegs in the first two days. You know it was a uh, you know it's tough that Waterloo has to compete with festivals like. Well, that's Festival the thing 8. about why it's such a shame that Curveball got canceled because. Fish, you know, Fish, I feel like their production company, whoever that is, they really know what the fuck they're doing um, when they throw a festival. And, you know, not having to compete for resources at at a festival as far as music goes makes it so much easier to, like, these are when the shows are. I'm going to be at the festival grounds at these times. Not walking from this place to that place to this band and that tent to that stage to... You know, that shit's a pain in the ass. It is. Um, ACL Fest, I usually walk like 15,000 steps at least. Yeah, it's a fucking nightmare. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it, I guess, in the end. But at the same time, yeah, like, I've seen some great acts. They're, I, but they're, I haven't enjoyed them as much as I think if I would have seen a club show. That's the tricky thing about the multi act festival. Like, even, I only went to one Bonnaroo, I went to the first Bonnaroo. And I feel like, I guess, if you're not know, going to a Bonnaroo, that's the Bonnaroo to have gone to. Yeah. That was it. It's the first one. Yeah. And fuck it. The all night, like late night galactic show was great. Uh, Colonel Claypool's Bucket of Bernie Brains, uh, collaboration with uh, Brain from Primus and Bernie Worrell from Talking Heads and Parliament Funkadelic and, you know, Buckethead. Did he die recently? Yeah, Bernie Worrell yeah. died. And Skerrick. Um, you know, pretty much all the best people that I like love. Powerful uh, Skerrick. And Les Claypool. I mean, like, sick as fuck. That was great. Uh, and we also saw uh, that was a pretty great Trey Trey headlined and the um, what is it? It was a some iteration of the dead. I'd rather see Trey ban at a festival than Fish. It was some iteration of the dead. What was it? No, what was the, it? Dead. the dead, the dead, the dead. That's it. Was it. it was Warren dead. Haynes and and uh, Jimmy Herring. 
Maybe. The both of them. It might have been. Um, definitely had Phil and Bobby. And Warren. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Warren was the I dad. love Warren Haynes, too. He's great. He's a great guy. Amazing and player. Colonel Claypool's... Uh, Bucket of Bernie Brain. No, no. The other one... Um, the fucking flying, flying frog, frog brigade. brigade, which is amazing. Yeah, they play animals in its entire. Oh yeah, they they just slayed their set, and that had Herb from the original Primus. So oh Herb God. and Tim Brain Alexander. played at that. Like both both Primus drummers, Jay Lane was Jay not Lane. in attendance. Yeah, <laughs> the third Primus drummer, he, Rat Dog wasn't there, and uh, yeah. you know whatever. Jay but, Lane was the drummer for I think uh, O'Teal's band at really? Waterloo. Interesting. I mean, he's still around. I mean, he plays for Rat Dog. Great player. Great. Uh, sausage, you ever heard sausage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in that. It's pretty great. Yeah, I love Les Claypool though. Me too. Um, and he stole the show. I feel like that was a big win. That was a lot of fun. Um, logistical yeah. nightmare. First festival. Really? For first festival. Big, yeah, I hope ambitious. all the I hope all the nonsense of Waterloo is just first water. It's a, the first Waterloo I'll I never mean, happen again. The in when we the in and out at Bonnaroo was a fucking joke. Uh, the in and out at Big Cypress was also a joke, and that was like because fucked up people were in charge of Dude, things that needed to not that be in took charge. Of. Twelve hours for us to get to that. Track. It didn't take us that long because we were pretty close in the morning. We got there in the morning, and but it took us a long time to get out. We um, got there at noon, and it, we didn't get in till like two p.m. the next day. So when we went to Festival Eight, that was one of the probably easiest experiences possible yeah. for getting into a festival. Okay. We literally drove in. To our campsite, yeah, and parked, yeah. I mean, that the, we the got, only shitty thing was that huge light over our campsite. Yeah, that sucked. That sucked. What when I went to though. it with Mitchell, we drove up there straight from here, twenty five hundred miles uh, each way in a Geo Metro, forty hours, loaded with shit. The whole thing was just. I mean, I, I wanted to murder him at multiple occasions, as you would just imagine uh, being in a car with him that long. And uh, at that point, it, you know, we were like using this this uh, bubbler in the car, right? That was mm-hmm. like what it, we were. That was what he had chosen, and but you had to use matches, of course. And of course. water had to be changed every every time you used it. And, oh god! And we're driving in a fucking car. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, couldn't we just like? you know yeah. do something else get a one hitter yeah or whatever and just like not do it this way but no that was no, how it had to be from austin texas to limestone maine i mean like wow. the longest drive possible in from austin to the northeast Dude, you deserve a life medal for that yeah and yeah, so that was a, intense and then when we went to, to coventry i drove up there with uh andrea just me and andrea uh, Phil was already up there. He was catching some shows in Massachusetts and stuff and was going to meet us in Vermont. And so we drove up there and that was fun. That was way less stressful. Except that we got arrested on the way back. That mm. was that was stressful. That's a bummer. Uh, that buzz was, kill. That was a buzz kill. Um, Phil, Phil definitely... Uh, Fucked that one up. <laughs> uh, you know, that we could have probably avoided a ticket. It was a ticket. You know, that's what it, all it was. But it's still just like we could have avoided getting a ticket in uh, upstate New York. Well, shit, man. It's been three hours. That's uh, that's all the time we have. That's a long time. That's a, uh, that's a healthy podcast. Um, so, yeah, uh, Johnny is. 
uh, running the show at Contigo and The Last Straw. So go have a tiki drink at The Last Straw and some nachos, some mega dope shows. And uh, check out the uh, Contigo booth at Fairground. Get yourself some uh, rotisserie chicken and a uh, breakfast sandwich. Thanks for joining me. I appreciate your time, Johnny. Well, you're welcome. And uh, let's do this like like quarterly or monthly or something. Yeah, man. All right, y'all. Have a great week. Peace. Fall in love with your neighbor's daughter. Fall in love.